April 1st, 2020. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Before we uh, get any farther, if you can do me a favor, stop what you're doing real quick. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe. iTunes, hit subscribe. Leave us a nice five-star rating and review. SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spreaker, anywhere that you're listening to That's What G Said. And uh, share it around with some of your friends that might enjoy. Thanks for Hanging out with us again here. Um, this episode, we'll be talking uh, a, a ton of baseball and then some horse racing. We preview the baseball season uh, with Mike Abadir, a good friend of mine, a co-host with Mike on the Mike Abadir Show. And we spend just a ton of... We go through every team. First, we give some overall thoughts on the season, what might happen um, depending on how and when this season may start. We discuss different possibilities, um, maybe having to you know think outside the box and, and change things up a little bit uh, depending on how long of a, a season or when they're able to get back playing again. And then we go through every team, starting in the American League East. We go team by team, division by division. We discuss uh, the teams we like, the teams we don't like, who we think is going to be good this year, who is going to struggle, new acquisitions, new players. We go through it all it's a real deep dive in baseball, and if you're a football fan, you if you missed last week's episode where we went through all of the NFL free agency acquisitions. So we got NFL last week, and this week we're going to go through uh, baseball and get you a full preview for the baseball season, and then we got some Wednesday racing from Tampa, we're going to touch on that, and then on Thursday there's racing at Gulfstream, at Oaklawn, and at Golden Gate. We're going to go through the Gulfstream card all the way through, and we're going to give you some plays at Oaklawn and then the, a couple horses at Golden Gate. So lots of baseball, a ton of horse racing, and we're going to get to all of that after we hear from one of our sponsors. It's going to be the interview with Mike Abadir first. We're going to go through baseball, so baseball fans kick back and enjoy. We're going to talk about you know the season to begin, and then we're going to get into every single team in the league just wanted to remind you about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off of your entire purchase. These are all natural soy wax candle. They candles, they burn longer. They are better for you than the candles out there that have that traditional paraffin wax. I know the people from this company personally. I've grown up with them my whole life. They love candles and the goal was to, to have an affordable candle that everyone can and enjoy. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. My favorite is Fresh Roses. The Fresh Roses scent is awesome. If you're a horse racing fan, they got Del Mar in there. You ever want to know what Del Mar smells like, but you couldn't make it out there? Order your candle right now from Sarah Candle Company. The website C-E-R-A Candles.com Sarah Candles.com. Promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off your purchase. I'd imagine that most of you probably know this man from the, a show that I'm the co-host on, the Mike Abadir Show. I've been doing that podcast with Mike for the last couple of years now. Good friend of mine, NFL agent, and uh, he's just a big fan of baseball in general. And he's going to jump in and talk a little baseball with us as we're going to preview the baseball season. Hopefully a season that will uh, will come to fruition at some point, Mike. It's a crazy world that we're living in, but um, it's... It, Hopefully we can give the folks maybe uh, an hour or so to, uh, about baseball and, and preview the season because I was excited diving in. I felt like there were uh, some teams I'm really pumped for uh, for watching this year. Hopefully we can get a season started sooner. Than later. 
Yeah, man. First, uh, happy to be joining you on uh, today's episode. I'm uh, stoked to talk a little baseball. I have MLB Network on, and I'm sure you've got it on every once in a while. Yep. And there's not a lot of like live content. There's not yeah. a lot for them to talk about. So they've had a lot of the, the replays of classic games and things of that nature. Right now, the, right now they happen to be talking about the uh, labor deal that was reached. And a big part of that is in the hopes of getting this season back on track and discussing the possibilities of a shortened season. Sounds like they're pretty convinced that if it's going to happen sooner, it's going to have to happen in front of a crowdless, uh, you know, yeah. in a crowdless situation. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, Trevor Bauer was talking. He had a really good interview yesterday. It was on uh, like the Baseball Tonight uh, podcast, and he's just so like outspoken, and he just says exactly what's on his mind. And he's he, honestly. I'm sure a lot of guys don't want to play in stadiums like that where there's no no fans and, you know, you kind of get a boost from the fans sometimes. But think about all the people we're going to be entertaining that need a little bit of something, that that need a little bit of an escape, and that will be tuning in, you know. And, and he was big on, I wish everybody could have an opportunity on an app, you know. And he, he was, like, talking all about how, like, the, a lot of the blackouts with, with certain markets and with the MLB app. And he said, you know, which is true. In this day and age, can't why can't everybody, if you're a baseball fan, pay like a hundred or hundred and fifty bucks and just be able to watch all the games on an app? You know, like you the, the blackout stuff and being able to have to be in this market and stuff, that's kind of gotten a little out of hand too. So hopefully we can just we all are just hungry for, like you said, live stuff. Like I think the only for a while now, it's been a few weeks where it's just been like horse racing and wrestling have been the really the two things that are pumping out. Live like new content Other than that we're just watching like Tons of re- replays of games from years ago Yeah and you know if If there's a sport where I think they could Do it and and it affect The players the least I think it is Baseball 100% agree You know because if you think agree. about it like okay so You know in high school You know we had the parents come to the games But it wasn't like a football draw in no, high school, right? Or basketball, no or basketball, and in 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 college baseball, there there are a few, uh, you know, I think like Fresno State, Florida State. There's a few regional schools, LSU. They, they'll get a couple thousand maybe at their games, but it's not stadiums that are filled with no. fans or anything like that. And uh, in the minors, same thing. You have some teams that draw, but the point I'm getting at is, I think most of these guys grew up with at bats. And, and pitching and focusing without having a, a stadium of 40,000 screaming sure. fans. Sure. So I and think they should be able to be fine doing so, whereas I think maybe it might be kind of hard to get yourself up for basketball or maybe even football. And even in just like a, a pure like maybe which of these big leagues can get started the soonest, baseball is kind of like a social distancing sport. You know, for the most part, like your 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 positions are all feet away from each other. There's very little contact. It's just it's the not players... a lot of physical proximity. No, every like everybody's feet away from each other. It's just literally when players are on the base or up to bat, standing next to the catcher or standing next to the the umpire. That's about it. I mean, everybody spread out around the the base pass, spread out around the outfield. Um, you'd have to maybe just kind of uh, have players like more in the clubhouse than sitting next to each other in the dugout. Which sure, I'm they, I'm. That, that wouldn't be that hard to do Players can just be kind of sitting at their lockers Like watching games from the dugout Whatever whatever it may be um, it, it seems like of all the sports This might be the one that like You, you said with the, with the crowd The way it's played It's not quite contact So 
hopefully sooner than later because unfortunately it feels like so long ago i mean we should we would have only had a few baseball games but is this not the month of march felt like the longest month in the history of the world do you realize that if if march madness was going on it wouldn't be over it would just be the sweet 16 round yeah so yeah it has been the longest month uh, like somebody was saying something about like a month ago today and I'm like February. Well, there wasn't a month ago today, really. But I mean, in terms of February, yeah. you yeah. know, but like 30 days ago, February, whatever it was, 25th or whatnot. And I was like, man, that seons like eons ago. It, it does. It, it's really how crazy. far away does the Super Bowl feel? And really, it was like weeks ago, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So really, really crazy. So, so let now, me ask you this. Do you okay. think baseball. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, no. Do you, think, uh, do you think baseball being the sport that's kind of like the least progressive, the most traditional, the most conservative. I guess maybe it's kind of a statement and a question. I really hope, slash do you think they will, I really hope they take advantage of this opportunity to maybe try some new things out. For example, how about robo-umpiring? Sure. This is a perfect opportunity for them to try that. Yeah, they're going to have to. I mean, and there's a lot of things that they've been talking about because, you know, now, now what's going to come into play with, Different than with, you know, the NBA, which was in the middle of the season. They're going to have a whole different kind of set of, of circumstances. What do we do? How do we shorten the sub, then get to the playoffs? What are we going to do? With baseball, the only, I guess, sort of positive is you can kind of figure out what you're going to do before you start, right? Like, how are we going to do this? Is it going to be, um, okay, we're going to have a, you know, a 140-game season or 120-game season, or we're going to start at the All-Star break, whatever it's going to be, we're going to play 162, we're going to play doubleheaders every Tuesday and Sunday. Like, you know, what? whatever it's going to be, they can at least kind of have a game plan before they start the season going in. There have been a lot of interesting ideas and things kind of thrown about as, you know, um, you know, even even on the back end of the season, because one of the, the, the issues with baseball has always been, okay, now it's you know, getting into November and December, you're getting into really cold weather for a lot of cities. So they've talked about, you know, maybe playing the playoffs and in particular the World Series at a neutral site, you know, inside of a dome somewhere where weather really wouldn't be an issue. You could play some of those games, a lot of them out here on the West Coast or I, I heard like, you know, Arizona, um, Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, Padre, you know, Padres is all, all stadiums like as possibilities for that. So what are some of the things that you heard, you think, ideas, anything that, that you know, you know, might be a little bit different about the baseball season this year? Yeah, the first one I just mentioned, which is the robo umpiring, and, mm-hmm. and the main reason for that is going to be because, again, I'm not so sure that they're going to want um, umpires, you know, crouched over a catcher, kind of in the situation you're talking about, where you have a batter, you have a catcher, you have an umpire. One yeah. less person is probably better. Yep. And this is the perfect opportunity to see if we can get it right with the balls and strikes. Yep. Right. So, and and here's the thing, I think even though players are going to be intense. They're getting paid. They want to keep their jobs. They want to have hitting streaks. They want to, you know, win ball games and, and win a World Series regardless. I think they're going to be more understanding, right? So if Absolutely. an umpire gets it wrong, I don't think that they're going to be as angry as maybe they normally would have in a normal situation. Everybody understands that this is a very, very awkward predicament, and everybody's going to try to make the best of it. I think they're just going to be happy to get out there and playing ball. So great time to use some type of. You experiments, know, experiment, and that type of thing. Uh, here, here's here, you know, it's kind of funny because I laid out like this plan, and I was really, really proud of myself. I'm like, I think this is a perfect plan, 
and and then I realized that it doesn't work because of the uh, odd number of teams in the division. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I thought it mathematically worked out perfectly. So I was really happy about that. But let's face it: Do you see any possibility of fans in attendance? Not just May. But even June, July, or August? No, because now what we're starting to hear is that um, the, during the warm weather months might be when this virus, if we're able to get get it, get a hold of it, and then it's something that might be coming back when things get colder again. So that might not be a positive, you know, when those winter months, when they're thinking about all these sporting events, like ramping back up with fans, I, th- I hope we'll have the opportunity to ramp them back up. You know, like one of the before we start getting into specifics about the baseball season, like one of the the discussions I've heard talked about for the NBA, for example, was okay, you finish the season, you know, an extra five games or something that everybody has or whatever you're gonna do it. But they were talking about like having the NBA teams in Vegas, basically like one team to a hotel, and that's where you stay with your team. You're you're all getting tested. You know, uh, temperature. You're getting the the coronavirus test. You're getting, you know, uh, you know, all sorts of, you know, health like best medical, um, you know, attention you could possibly get. And you can go to the gym in the hotel. There's like a restaurant in the hotel, but you can't go anywhere else besides there. And then when you go to play, and you know, on the strip right there, there's probably five or six different basketball, you know, uh, courts they can use. Especially if there's no fans going to be there, all they have to really worry about is getting some kind of a uh, you know, cameras and being able to to stream it somewhere or you know put it on TV, but that's that's kind of where we are with with some of these ideas. It can't really be something that happens with baseball, but that's kind of an interesting idea for basketball because y- each hotel would kind of be you know each team. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I had uh, I had suggested something very similar to baseball. Um, uh, Eno Saris and I had engaged in a kind of a Twitter conversation as well as, a, you know, a couple of other baseball writers where I'd kind of suggested a plan. Once I realized that my original plan didn't mathematically worked out, I kind of revised it and came up with something different. But it's it's similar to what you're talking about, which is uh, with with basketball, you c- you're going to have to regionalize this. And yep. I don't think that we're going to end up having any crowds in baseball for the nope. entirety of the season. So. Uh, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think so. The home field thinking. already, right off the bat, doesn't really matter. So home field is, is out the window. So I yep. think what I what I would do is I would designate stadiums and let's just say Dodger Stadium is where the NL West plays. Sure. Uh, the AL West plays in Anaheim. You use the two Texas stadiums, the brand new facility in uh, in Arlington uh, or outside of Arlington, wherever it's going to be in, in in Dallas and uh, and Houston. And then the TROP and, uh, and Miami, right? Those are the regional ballparks that you're going to use. Yep. And you play all the division games in, in those stadiums, right? So my, my thought process was this. Start off the season where every team plays every team within the division, say, 10 times, okay? The, or Actually, I think the way I mathematically worked it out was seven times. You're going to try to get to, like, 35 games. Mm-hmm. And then... There's no home and home or home and road type situation. You're just going to play neutral games outside of your division, like one time a piece or something like that. And then back around for the to close it out with the division games once again with like another 35. Right. That's going to put you at close to like 90 games. Yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. Then what I was what I was looking at doing is this. It depends on when we start, because if that leaves us another like enough time for like, let's say another 20, 30 games in the regular season. Here's the wrinkle. 
take the top, say, five teams, just based on record, well, three division winners and then the two best records, which is the typical wildcard yeah. format, right? But then take, of everybody else, okay, the best team of the worst, right, advances into a playoff format. Just one and done. Just one and done's, right? And then you get to your series formats. A little bit down the road. I think no matter what, and, and you're saying, and I'm saying whatever, we all agree they're going to have to get creative, right? They're going to have to do something outside the box. They're going to have to do something a little bit different. And maybe it's, you know, something similar to what you were just saying. Um, who knows what it is? But there, this is going to be a year where I, and, and I think you made a really good point earlier. I don't think there's going to be, like, it's going to be hard to complain about something here because it, it, we're all just going to be, especially baseball, is going to be doing whatever they can. They're going to be doing their best to try to figure out, okay, what works? What's going to keep the players healthy? What's going to be, like, the best closest version of the baseball that we know that will keep the fans happy that won't like you know feel like it's a completely different game that we're playing there's going to be a lot of ma- like um you know masters to please it, sort of but i i feel like i trust them that they're going to figure out something like you said just something where we try it let's everybody get on board and um and I, we just we just want some sports back you know <laughs> we do like I'm, it, it's it's rough um when we're just not having you know the sports to kind of look forward to i'm sure a lot of us are getting kind of lost on what days of the week it is without games you know <laughs> i mean it's going to be a ratings bonanza yeah when they, when they start <laughs> back know? up i mean this oh weekend gosh. wrestlemania is going to be on sunday the, wrestle the old wrestlemanias that they've been playing on espn which you can watch Anytime for free on the WWE network, you can get a free subscription and, and get like the first couple months for free. And it's only like $9.99 a month after that. But you can watch those anytime and they're airing them on ESPN and they're getting like really good ratings. Like from WrestleManias from four years ago, from five years ago, just because people just don't have anything out there out there to watch. So what what was really cool is um the, the baseball website Fangraphs, which is a great website, they did um, a couple different um, versions of what the season would look like if it was shortened comp- with their projections. And what they did was they actually did it for 2019 too. So they went back to 2019 and um, they they looked at what the season would have looked like with the shortened season. So they ended up cutting the season off on September the 8th and there wasn't a whole lot of difference there. Uh, the Cubs would have been in the wild card instead of the Brewers, but every other playoff spot remained the same. Then they cut it down again to 132 games and it was, you know, Yankees, Twins, Indians, um, Astros, A's. So that was the one where the Rays kind of got left out. And then on the other side, actually, um, it was pretty similar uh, on the National League. Then they cut it down again if the season ended on August the 14th. So it was really cool. They did it that way. And then they went backwards and they did if the season started and only using the back half of the season. So it was really cool to, to see some of them. When they did that, the teams that were really good the second half of the season last year, we remember, were the Nationals. They were awesome. And the A's were really good. The A's actually ended up with a better record like the last 100 games of the year than the Astros did. So they would have won that division. So it's interesting to see like what it, what it would have done last year. And what ends up happening, Mike, when you see it done this year with a lot of the projections is the shorter and shorter the seasons go, I mean, it seems like common sense, but the heavy, the heavier favorites have less of a margin for error. So there was one really good quote that said, if there was an 81-game season, 
the Red Sox would have a better chance of making the playoffs than they would uh, right now than they would in a full season with Mookie Betts. So that's it. That's you know, really interesting. Yeah, because they're the you just you know if the Yankees get one one injury or they have a one you know six or seven game losing streak, you don't have that 162 game sample size where everything sort of kind of regresses back to the mean. So you know you, if you're a fan or if you're interested in playing teams this year in baseball that are not like the Dodgers and the Yankees, the shorter and shorter the season is, the the better chance those teams actually have to lose. It's you know it's kind of similar to like what happened with the Dodgers last year in the playoffs. You know, a five-game series right off the bat, you 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 know you have one or two games where your lineup goes a little bit cold, you face a good pitching performance, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're like, uh-oh, you're in some trouble. Um, and so that's what's kind of interesting is the shorter and shorter it goes, it seems like the teams that are not necessarily the the you know the juggernauts have an opportunity. So let's start with the American League East. We'll go division by division. Gino, do you mind if I jump in with one, yeah, one big, big picture thought? Kind of sure. alternative? Well, one one more possible alternative. Sure. Because where I where I left it off a few moments ago was, you know, you kind of uh, have the best of the rest uh, for that wild card type of play in game, right? Not not that dissimilar. You're going to change the format, maybe of, of how many games you're going to play division rivals versus outside of the division. But ultimately, it's kind of a similar format to what we've been accustomed to the last couple of years. There is also one additional wrinkle that I think would be really cool. And it's kind of a hybrid of kind of like the soccer, you know, uh, relinquishment, uh, relegation team goes going down, team coming up, but within a season. So here's my thought. And I think this would also be a ratings hit. So typically speaking, by the time you get to like September, August, September, you kind of know which teams are out of the mix, right? You know, you know, you know for sure the, the Orioles and, and the Tigers and those teams, they're completely out of it. They're not even playing for any playoff positioning. It's either spoiler development or let's just see what uh, September call-ups are going to come up. Well, we don't even have September call-ups this year, yeah. basically, anymore, right? So, uh, well, it's very limited, and uh, I don't know if you wanted to get into that, but we could maybe talk about that some other time. My, my thinking is this. So you played that initial, like, let's say, 90 games that I'm talking about uh, in my first scenario, and it, it'll be like, a, you know, in the minors, they have like a A part of the season and a B part of the season, yep. a first half and a second half, right? So we're going to do the same thing, a first half and a second half, except it's not really a half. Kind of like the all-star break is maybe, what, 95 games, then the second half is whatever, right? More like 65 games, that type of thing, right? But now it's going to be maybe 90 and then like 25 or 20. So here's where I'm going with this. So the winner, the, the top, let's just say, five teams in each league, the three division winners, two wild cards, they move on into season two and they play each other and beat each other up. You're giving America the best 10 teams in baseball, just playing every single night, right? Every night you're getting whatever. And, he, and you could go AL versus NL or keep it separated. I, I don't really care. Right. So you could see Dodgers and Yankees in the next night, seeing Yankees and nationals. And then the next night nationals and Red Sox, whatever. Okay. So what do you do with the remaining teams? They're all playing a tournament to move up for one team in each league to make it out of it and to be included in the postseason. Right. I mean, and then you have official postseason 
and it's seeded by the way the first the top ten teams finished up, and then the last team will be the winner of the 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 poorer bunch, yeah. right? Now, not now all of a sudden, those Orioles games and all those other games that would be normally meaningless they matter. They actually matter. The chances aren't great, but there's one team that's going to make it. You're going to get the team that strikes lightning in a bottle. Because like you pointed out, we don't have that 162 to see how it would normally all play out. But what if a team kind of finds itself gelling come July or August? Or, you know, let's just say with 15 games to go, they're playing their best baseball. Normally, they're not going to get a shot. Or in this case, they're not going to get a shot. In, in a normal season, they might, right? Because they might be able to sneak into the wild card spot. Here, if you fall behind, you're toast in a shortened season. You're not, there's no way you're going to make it. So now each set of games has a really cool relevance. The first one is you're just watching pure best of the best baseball. The other one, it's just, hey, who's going to make it out of it? It's very compelling. And you give teams that get hot late, especially probably younger teams, an opportunity. Maybe that would be like the Padres. They would probably be a favorite to make it out of Group B into the playoffs. So I think something like that would be really cool. And like I said, it is this worked. is the time now to try those type of oddball things and see yeah, if it it's, works. It's worked in other, you know, soccer. It's worked in, in other sports sure. all around. And I, Keep something in mind. And maybe people may have forgotten the Nationals last year through the first 50 games were 19 and 31. Yep. They ended up with the worst 50-game start for an eventual World Series winner. That means something. It and does? in a season like this, where it's shortened, they would have had no they shot. Even, they would have had zero shot. No, they're nineteen and thirty-one. They're probably toast in an eighty or a ninety-game season. So, and home games. Who needs home games in baseball, right? The World Series. The road team swept all seven games. So, baseball is perfectly set up to get going and go going relatively soon. I think by mid-May we're going to be seeing ball games. And with that said. Let's get cranking away. I hope you're right. Let's start with. I we'll hope go, so too. <laughs> yeah, we'll go American League East, and then we'll go Central West, and then we'll flip on over to the the National League. So we'll we'll give some thoughts on each team. We won't have to go very far to discuss one of the worst teams in baseball this year. One of the worst teams that you'll see. They were bad last year. Um, they at least offensively have a couple guys, like a couple players that are, um, you know, like let her. More than a replacement level player You look at um, some guys who had who had Decent years last year um, Nunez, he's coming off kind of his first Full slate of uh, ABs He had 31 jacks, he's projected to hit around 25 um, If Mancini's able to, to get back off the injured list He's fine um, it, John's means pitcher he, he was an all-star in 2019 He had a 3-6 ERA, but he kind of came out of nowhere His splits weren't like He wasn't projected to be that good So he might come back to life This just I mean, this pitching staff is awful. I I looked and did the research on this team, and I'm still having a tough time trying to name like five or six players. Well, there's a reason for that. It's because six players have less than a year and a half of MLB <laughs> service time. Yeah. Six players less than a year and a half of MLB service time, right? One of the guys that they got who's uh, probably a nice acquisition, and he's uh, he's still 30, so he's still got some... Uh, you know, years ahead of him is Jose Iglesias. Yeah, yeah, he's probably going to be one of their uh, better players. Yeah, he's got he's got like a decent stick, a uh, veteran presence, and that type of thing. You know, I think it all kind of um, goes back to you know Chris Davis. Can they get any return on their investment with with the guy? Can he can he find a way to at least get to like two thirty or two forty? Come on, you know. Yeah, and, and and hit thirty bombs, right? 
it feels like the three or four really bad teams in the American League, at least they seems like they're, you know, when you're bad for a couple years in a row, you're going to stock up some prospects. So maybe like Baltimore, Detroit, Kansas City are similar in that they've got some coming. They're probably still a year or two away before they're able to com- start to compete at the major league level. But this team is, yeah, this team is not very good. They're going to lose 100 games again this year easily. Um, then we get into your, your, uh, and, and I think like they were, they're plus 800 to win the AL East. They are plus, uh, 20, uh 12,500 to win the, uh, American league. They're a hundred thousand plus a hundred thousand to win the world series. And they are the number 30th ranked in the ESPN power ranking. So yeah, they're going to be towards the bottom, wherever, wherever you're looking. A weird team is, is Boston this year. This is your team. You're a Red Sox fan. I think. You know, if we were just talking about their lineup, losing Mookie Betts, of of everything that Boston had, they would be able to fill in the loss of Mookie Betts, I think, more offensively than than in any spot, maybe bullpen, starting pitching. The the problem for me is just starting pitching. This still looks like a really, really good lineup, top to bottom. Uh, They don't have a whole lot of holes offensively, but I just don't know, like pitching-wise, especially with Sale, I think having Tommy John surgery today, or very recently when we were recording this on uh, on Tuesday. So what are your thoughts uh, with this Red Sox team? Yeah, uh, lineup-wise, like you said, I mean, their uh, they're first four hitters in the lineup are about as uh, you know as good as it gets with Benatendi, Devers, Bogarts, and uh, J.D. Martinez. You know, uh, you're not going to you don't you don't need any more production than that. That's going to get you what yep. you need. Uh, you know, Mitch Moreland's one of those guys. He's going to be playing first base this year. He's one of those guys that somehow, some way, finds a way to get some clutch hits. Um, you know, but obviously first base is, is kind of a, a question mark. I think eventually they end up well putting Michael Chavis there, you know, in, in that bottom, uh, you know, second third of the order. A lot of people forget that Michael Chavis, along with Alex Verdugo, both have been uh, given a number one prospect ranking at some point in their career. Yep. And uh, both are still young, 24 and 23, respectively. So uh, Chavis and Verdugo, those are the wild cards. Those are the guys that if they can, uh, you know, fulfill their potential, I think can uh, can make this Red Sox really from top to bottom a really, really good lineup. Obviously, Jackie Bat- Bradley, very inconsistent guy. You know, it wasn't that long ago, what, four seasons ago where he had the longest hitting streak in the American League. I mean, the guy can hit. He can hit for power. And he can be clutch, as we saw in the postseason a couple years ago. But um, he's one of those guys that has a really tough time over 162. Streaky. He's the guy that yep. you're talking about with the, uh, the the 81 game season type of guy that could surprise you and hit 290. Yeah, just like whoa, where'd that come from? You know what yep. I mean? He's he's one of those guys. He's very streaky. Uh, they got a decent bench and they picked up Jose Peraza from uh, the uh, the Reds, and he was one of those guys that was uh, banging two years, two seasons ago. Had a disappointing 2019, and then Kevin Pillar, super athletic outfielder. I think that's like a nice quiet pickup that they got. It all goes back to the pitching stuff, like you're talking yeah. about, though, Gene, especially with Sale being out. Yeah. You know, Eduardo Rodriguez really found himself. Uh, Nate Eovaldi is all about, he's got all the talent. He's all about how much availability is there with him. And then after that, you're talking about three guys who are relative unknowns, right? And, uh, Mart- well, Martin Perez has been in the league for a while, but not, nobody knows who he is. They got him from uh, Minnesota in this past offseason. Um, but yeah, Ryan Weber and Brian Johnson round out the. Uh, rotation. Brian Johnson, by the way, was a, a former first rounder, so he's 
clearly got some talent, but it's taken him a long time really to get to this uh, to get to this point. This is his second season in the bigs, and uh, he hasn't really done a whole heck of a lot I mean, up to this they, point. They could just even use right now like the Porcellos and the Cashners of the world, yes. you know, just yes. like guys to just be eating up innings because they don't even need like that much top, top of the line starting pitching. They just need like, like you said, available starting pitching to, to help, to help, you know, eat up some innings. And I mean, it'll, we'll just see if they're able to get that. Like, what what are your thoughts on the bullpen? Um, they were tied for the league league and blown saves in, in 2019. Um, they have less starting pitching depth, but maybe, I mean, from a bullpen strength, do you think that they're better than they were last year? Uh, Workman did a lot better than I expected him to, you know, uh, one, eight, eight ERA, uh, he blew a lot of saves though. Yeah. He had 16 saves, but he blew six of them. I don't even know how you blow six saves with a one, eight, eight ERA, I know. But, um, but yeah, it happened. And, uh, and, and their setup guy, Matt Barnes, he had eight blown saves, uh, but his ERA was sub four. Josh Taylor is de- decent, and uh, Heath Hembry is one of those guys that's got a lot of experience under his belt that can come in and do the job. I, I would give I would give their bullpen a C grade. Yeah, are- it's a it's a C bullpen. It's you know it's it's one it's one of those that uh, isn't going to carry you to the postseason. It's not one of those bullpens like the Brewers have had the last couple of years, where you're like, just get me to the sixth inning, baby. Starting pitcher, just get me full five. Five and a third, five and two thirds. We'll take it the rest of the way. Definitely not like that. It's, you know, make a sign of the cross and hope for the best once you get to these guys because they could come in and, and give you four shutout innings at any given night or they could blow the save uh, opportunity that um, that they've got, right? Which is what we saw last year. Yeah, I think it's going to be a weird because I think people are going like a little too far on this Red Sox team is going to be terrible because offensively they're still going to be able to beat Beat like win any game with their lineup. They'll be able to out hit you any any time that they all have a good game or they're they're all like getting good at bats. But consistent, can they are they going to be able to stop you from scoring consistently enough? That's just going to be you know the, the the major question for them all year. Are they good enough to the point where maybe they make a deal middle of the year? Who knows what they're going to do? Um, they were ranked ESPN power ranked number 19. They are plus 900 to win the AL East, plus 1600 to win the American League and plus 5000 to win the World Series there. Um yeah, just going to be Which a, is not the worst stab in no, the world. For, no, not uh, really. To probably contend for a wild card spot. Yeah, here's, here's something I'm going to tell you about this 2020 season. Whenever it starts, you know, it is going to be really really interesting to see the mental makeup of these teams because normally even the best of teams, you know, like the Dodgers, if they have like a two or three or I don't think they had many four game losing streaks last no. year or in the last few years. But, it, you know, you, you have that long road trip, 13 games in the East Coast in 14 nights. And and, and you kind of are, are just treading water and hoping to get back home just uh, with, you know, uh, with that one extra night of sleep on your own bed. And then we got Dodger Stadium to look forward to. So that's what gets a lot of teams over that hump is, hey, we're going to fit wrap up this rough road trip, but we're going to be home in three days. Let's just power through this thing. You don't have that. You're probably not going to have that luxury this year. It's going to be just a different so the dynamic. mental makeup yeah. is getting, I mean, what, like, what can you tell you? You either need to have like a, like a frontline starting pitcher, like a stopper who could stop losing streaks or, Right. I mean, you need if you're a manager, typically it's, hey, we've lost a couple in a row, but we're going to give 
We're going to give the ball to our, our big gun. We're going to give it to Walker Bueller. We're going to give it to Clayton Kershaw. We're going to be home uh, with a homestand starting on Monday. If you don't have either of those things, what do you even tell the clubhouse? There's been like a just a muscle memory, like they've they've developed these routines, and it's going to be all out of whack, completely thrown into a funk when this baseball season starts. I mean, um, and as we move, you're you're right. As we move, we it'll be who I think when it always comes down to something like this, the teams that I'm always going to like trust in weird situations, I think, are the teams that have the like good starting pitching and the most starting pitching. I just feel like that's like the safest and the most constant in a situation like this where, you know, at the beginning of the season, maybe the offense is a little bit harder to come by. And at least like if you have some solid arms out there, you might be in better shape than everybody else who's trying to get into good shape. So maybe that's a maybe that's something that could hurt a Yankees team early on who, you know, they have a decent lineup now. They obviously they went out and got Cole, so they made a big move there. They are. You know, widely thought about with the Dodgers as you know one of the top favorites. They are that that big favorite in the Nash in the American League to, to come out of the American League. They're the heavy favorite in the AL East. They, you know, you put Cole in that rotation, and now with the additional time before the season starts, that really helps a Yankees team that had a Paxton that was hurt, that Stanton was hurt, Judge that was hurt. What do you think about this Yanks team? Yeah, interesting team. You know, their, uh, their bullpen is, is their strength on the pitching side. But even their bullpen is kind of aging now. When you look at yeah. their ages, you know, they're, they're, all the key guys in their bullpen are early, mid-30s. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they could keep that intensity going. I didn't even know how Ardellis Chapman has been able to play this long and stay r- relatively healthy for so long. I know he's had a few stints on the DL, but typically closers that throw that hard, they don't, they don't have that kind of, Durability, consistent yep. longevity yep. and durability. Um, so you know, props to him and, and his strength and conditioning coach and whatever he's doing to 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 stay healthy. But yeah, uh, I think you identified the team's Achilles heel. You know, beyond Garrett Cole, you know, Tanaka is a good pitcher. You know, um, and Paxton's a good pitcher. How much of them do you get? We'll wait and see. Jay Happ, you know, he's thirty-seven years old, and Jordan Montgomery. I mean, that's what you're wrapping. That's what you're. Your four and five starters look like Ugh, I don't know Yeah, because Severino's out now with Tommy John So that was going to be a, They were and expecting, retired. Yep. And, uh, expecting a lot out of Severino And the one here's one thing I, I do respect what Cole has done over the last couple of years To me it's just a little bit weird Because he's not someone who's had Six or seven years Of really good baseball To, to fall back on He's had two And then before that he was pretty good He was just another Pretty good pitcher I mean you look at his, his years prior to that um, You know his 2016 He had a 1.4 whip His 2017 he had a 4.2 ERA And then his K rate skyrocketed the, the two years when he went to Houston And maybe you know he figured things out He changed some things He tweaked some things Sure And there's going to be a lot of pressure on you now It's a little different in Houston when Well obviously we know that some, of the, some weird stuff was going on But when you're the deuce behind Verlander There's not as much pressure on you there and now you are the guy They just spent a ton of money on you You're supposed to be the savior You're supposed to be the one that, that that's supposed to come and, and vault them over the top Give them what they needed to win a World Series now I just got a weird feeling He's not going to be You know low, Like mid two ERAs again And that maybe he's more up into the mid three ERAs I don't think it's that weird Gino yeah, you know, Here's a I trivia think- question And I hate it when people ask trivia questions Without knowing the answer But I don't know the answer 
when is the last time that you saw the the Yankees sign a free agent pitcher who had who met the expectations? Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. No. And I agree with you. Now, the thing with Garrett Cole is this, and I agree with you about his Pirates years and kind of how he's worked his way through this. But keep in mind, the guy, and I've been following him since high school. I, uh, I actually represented a football player who was playing at Orange Lutheran uh, here in Orange County, or, you know, we're in L.A., but in Orange County. Um, and, and so he'd, he'd always been telling me about Garrett Cole, went to a couple of his high school games. He stayed local, went to UCLA. He was the a first round pick, first overall pick in the first round. So the guy has been groomed to be that guy, and he's rounded into form and become who he was supposed to be. So in terms of pedigree, you know, it's, he's, I mean, he's achieving what many insiders in the game expected him to do in Pittsburgh. It just took maybe a little bit longer. And uh, he's 29 years old now. And the thing is this, how much of Verlander rubbed off on him yep. and how much of that has staying power, right? Because, you know, I, I remember like Smoltz and Maddox and Glavin, once they all teamed up, they became even that much better collectively. I mean, Maddox was a really good pitcher in Chicago, but he went to the Braves, took it to another level. Those guys all fed off of each other, and then they end up kind of getting broken apart for a little bit. Glavin never was the same with the Mets. Um, you know, Smoltz, he ended up becoming a closer, and he was hurt, so it doesn't really count. And, and Maddox's best years were behind him yep. once they all kind of – and I think a lot of that – and Smoltz used to talk about it – you know, they used to go to like sports psychologists and stuff to help them keep their head in the game. I think Verlander was a very, very positive impact on Cole. I think his career took off once he teamed up with him. And hey, let's face it, the white elephant in the room, right? The cheating. Yep. How much did Cole benefit from that? Now, I'm not saying that he's a cheater and he's like a but, trash but without it. And in, in run support, you know, yeah. and things like that, like a lot of pr- lot less pressure on you when you're up three nothing instead sure. of zero zero in the fourth inning, you know, things like that. Yeah, I mean, so you know, he 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 benefited in some way. Sure. Let's just put it to you that way. So, um, and and hey, for all we know, they may have even been doing you know, something, been able to convey the signs to the hitter, even sure. been able to steal some, you know, pick up on something. Um, so, you know, oh, the hitter thinks he's going to be sitting on a fastball or we're going to, you know, whatever. I don't know. But, uh, so I, I don't want to necessarily go full on Cole, Garrett Cole bashing. No, no. I, I, you know, here's the thing. There agree or disagree, Gino, Gino. Most of the players in the lineup had career years last year. Yeah. And they, do you replicate that? I mean, it, how often do you replicate? A it was a duplicate. A it was a weird year. year because they were so banged up, but they still produced so much. It was like bizarre. I can't recall ever seeing something like it where they were missing so many key players for a while, but then when the key players came back or the replacement level players were all incredible. Like yeah. you just don't you don't get that generally. So we can look at it either way, right? Even if they come back to life a little bit, they're going to be a good baseball team. But I don't know. I kind of got a weird feeling that it's not just going to be all hunky dory for the Yankees this year. No. I just, not not as easy as everybody is just kind of saying Dodgers Yankees. It's never that easy, right? No, it's never it's just, that easy. And is no. DJ Lematthew really uh, a batting title guy? Or he, maybe he had a excuse great me? year. Is he a batting title guy? I don't I mean, think, I mean, he had a great great year last year. You start to look down their lineup. 
They're they I think they may have a hole or two. We've talked about them. Like maybe when you get into a series, they're the kind of team that you can attack um and maybe like pitch around some of their their really, really good hitters. So yeah, I I, I don't I'm not saying I don't they're not gonna make the playoffs or anything like that, but I don't know if they're just gonna be the dominant team that everybody expects them to be this year. They're gonna be good, they're gonna be fun. Uh, ESPN has them power ranked number two. They are the minus 300 to win the AL East. They're plus 150 to win the American League, and they're plus 400 to win the World Series. So they're going to be, you know, one of the top choices in everything that you're looking at. I just don't know if it's going to be that easy. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I really think that the Tampa Rays, and, and look, you started off the segment by talking about pitching, and uh, they're, so they're go right, probably. Yeah, go to Tampa. Go to Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, if there's a beast in the East pitching-wise, it's Tampa, right? And uh, I think they've they've got enough hitters, and they can manufacture enough runs. It's a very young lineup. They don't have a single guy that's the age of 30, if you could believe that. And, in fact, their entire bench doesn't either, outside of Jose Martinez, is 31. Think about that for a second. It's a very, very young team. And uh, to me, I'd be excited if I'm a Tampa fan. We were talking a little bit about Tampa on the uh, Mike Abadir show last week just for a moment with Greg Amon from The Athletic, and uh, he seemed to be pretty high on them. Yeah. Didn't you think so? Based on, you know, and they picked up Hunter Renfro, who I think is going to be a really, really dynamic player for them offensively. Willie Adamas is still trying to find himself, and I think he's going to be the guy that people expected him to be when, uh, when he was so highly touted coming in here. Uh, Mike Zunino as a catcher, I think he's really good at handling a pitching staff, and I think you're going to see his stick. Austin Meadows blew up after that trade from Pittsburgh. He, he didn't necessarily do it the whole season, but, you know, he's he's one of those guys having that first really good year under his belt, I think will make a big, big difference. They, I think this is the division winner, Gino. They've built this. Um, Call me crazy. No, no, you're not crazy. They're they're the number fourth ranked team in the ESPN power rankings. They're, it's, they're plus 350 to win the AL East. They're uh, plus 1,000 to win the AL, plus 2,800 to win the World Series. Like, they're a top five to eight team in any projections that you look at. What's so phenomenal to me about this Rays team every year is that the front office is just incredible. They're able to just put together these lineups that are so deep where when one or two key players gets an injury or is having like a slump or a down year, they are just able to fill fill the void right in. Just like next man up, next man up, next man up. They do it in the bullpen. They do it with their starting rotation. I mean, last year, their starting rotation was so banged up. But when you look at what the top of their rotation looks like with Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, and Glass now, and you have Chirinos, Yarbrough in there, and then one of the keys to their team, you know, this year is a guy who I've been I've been pretty high on, and he's you know really he's been a highly projected prospect. He's one of those dual hitter pitchers, but if he can just focus on pitching, and it's Brendan McKay, who you know I, I love him because he's got the nine hundred two and O name, you know, you, the two of the the combination of uh of uh Dylan McKay and uh, oh, there you go. and Brendan Walsh. There from from 90210 he he is a key you know whether he be an end of the rotation type guy he projects if he if he's your fourth starter he is like a really highly projected fourth starter this team is good they just continue to find arms in the bullpen they just they run their organization really well it's the most money ball thing that you you'll ever see because it's another team where you probably like you know a lot of their names it's different than baltimore where you like you look at the Rays team and you're like, oh yeah, I know that. Oh yeah, I remember him. 
Or yeah, oh yeah, he he was supposed to be good. Or you know what, he had like two good years and then he got hurt. You know, it's a lot of those um, players year in and year out with them. They're good. They're gonna be. I mean, they're gonna be a really good ball club again. And th- this is a type of team, Mike. When the shorter and shorter and shorter the season gets, they've got the opportunity to really compete with the Yankees in you know in a hundred game season, in a yeah. hundred and ten game season because their pitching is going to be good almost all the time. Yeah, and I think their bullpen is very good. They're listed as a closer by committee team, but I think Nick Anderson is going to seize that position and and run with it. He's a guy that they got in a trade with the uh, Miami Marlins midseason last year. Guy's very hard throwing, and uh, he had uh, he's only had a year under his belt. And I think just having that full off season with the club, I think is gonna is gonna be huge for him. I'm gonna say that Nick Anderson is a surprise All Star pick. From the closer mid-relief position Let's close out the American League East With a, a fun young team The Toronto Blue Jays uh, Last year we saw the debuts of of familiar names um, The son of Dante Bichette The son of Craig Biggio And the son of Vladimir Guerrero All showed up for the Blue Jays And got some, uh, some ABs in the Major League And this team, just on paper They have a ton more pitching this year I don't know how good they're going to be, but they just should be a lot more competitive. They don't feel like they're one of these really, really, really bad teams. Like we might have a few of them in the American League. This team should be really fun to watch on a night-to-night basis. I mean, they add Ryu, who's probably not a one. You know, Ryu's probably like a, a really nice two or number two, like low number two, high level like number three starter. You put uh, Tanner Rourke and Chase Anderson in there. If Shoemaker's ever able to stay healthy, all of a sudden that has a, a look of a decent starting rotation. I think this team's going to be fun at least. Absolutely. I think this is going to be a really fun team to watch and uh, and to see them develop and you know, they're probably a year or so away. Yep. Yeah. But they've made some pretty good moves like you're mm-hmm. talking about. And they got some veterans like Travis Shaw and uh and uh, even somebody, you know, like a, a World Series winner like uh, Joe Panic, that could be like a, yeah. a nice veteran presence or or a Brandon Drury, those type of things. Uh those type of guys, you know, they make a difference over the long long haul of a season, whether it be pinch hitting or uh, relieving, you know, uh you know, providing some relief. When uh, when guys are tired and banged up, and this year that's probably going to be the case with a lot of double headers. Yeah. Bench is going to mean a whole heck of a lot more this year than ever before because of that. And and like you mentioned, Ryu, you know he probably uh, you know is going to have a tough time duplicating his uh, really really incredible 2019 season. It's probably not a one like you said, but he's definitely a good pitcher and is going to get you some innings. Obviously, health has been an issue with him. If he could stay healthy, this guy's uh, this guy's going to be a, a, a nice a nice addition for for the Blue Jays. Where do you have them kind of landing? Uh, you know, they're probably within like, the division. Yeah, I think that they could be maybe with maybe within a few games of the Red Sox if things go well for them. I think they're probably a couple games under five hundred. Um, and I have them definitely above Baltimore But I don't think they're going to be some bottom feeder the, the thing that worries me a little bit is they, they still feel like they need some help in the bullpen It's it's kind of Giles and then a, a lot of unproven arms But, you know, bullpens are very, very, like, year to year They're very, you know, the, the margin, they can be really kind of fluky sometimes Sometimes it's not as difficult to put together a couple decent arms and, in a pen So we'll see, I mean, I don't think they're going to be, like, a really, really bad team Like the Orioles or... Like a couple teams that we might be seeing in the in the central, 
Uh, as we move on to the central So yeah, Toronto was the ESPN power rank Number 22, they're plus 3,300 To win the AL East, they're plus 5,000 To win the American League, they're plus 25,000 To win the World Series They're also pumped about uh, Nate Pearson Who's a, a highly touted uh, a prospect So maybe we'll uh, we'll get to see him show up At some point AL Central um, This is the team that I'm, I think I'm one of the top two teams I'm the highest on this year uh, As far as taking a really big step and I, A lot of people are because they made a lot of big moves this year And uh, that's the Chicago White Sox I just, I really love what, what this team has done I was kind of Kind of high on them last year And just, I thought they would continue to improve And now what they did, they went out and they added Yasmani Grandal Who's going to get you, you know, 25 home runs And a 350 on base percentage They added Dallas Keuchel, who's another one Who's not not really like a one anymore He's kind of got more of a reputation But he's still a good top Two, three starter in your rotation Who's been there, who's won some big games And he doesn't have a whole ton of innings on his arm From last year, they had Encarnacion Who's a 25 to 30 home run guy And they had Gio Gonzalez Who's another good, like, end of the rotation Starter, he's a former all-star He's projected to have like a four ERA Luis Robert is this rookie who everybody loves. They're really highly projected. Um, you know, I, I'm really high on this team, this White Sox team. I don't know if they're good enough to compete with the Twins, who are really good. I think they can battle for a wild card spot, though. Yeah, I think they're uh, they're definitely on the rise. Hey, I was going to ask you, whatever happened to their uh, hard throwing pitcher that they got from the Red Sox, Michael Kopich? He, he had on Tommy him? John, and then he was ju- he's going to be back soon. I think he's re- he, any he was- chance for this season. Or- yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, they're they're expecting him by they were I think by like July at the latest. Like late, See, that late could be May, like even. like uh, like making a trade. Huge addition, a huge addition for them because now you start to look at a pitching staff that's really not that bad. Um, it Giolotto. We don't. He he made some adjustments. We don't know which Giolotto we're gonna get. You know, two years ago he wasn't great, but then last year he was incredible. He throws harder. He throws more strikes. He has kind of a new repertoire. And the the one guy who I was really high on, and I was kind of expecting him to have a big year last year, and he regressed a little bit. And uh, and that's Ronaldo Lopez, who I you know he has some ability. He can strike you out or two. Now you're looking. You start to look at a starting staff that's Keuchel, Giolotto. Lopez and then Gonzalez at the end of it You throw Cease in the mix Like this is not a bad starting rotation Um, They're hoping to have Carlos Rodon By the all-star break You mentioned uh, Michael Kopich They added Steve Shishek to help the bullpen out a little bit They're going for it Sometimes it doesn't work where all the moves you make you know, fit. But when you look at this lineup, they're good. Their starting rotation's better They've added to their bullpen They're, They're trying to address everything I just... Minnesota's a good baseball team And Minnesota made some good additions this year too I don't know if Chicago is going to be able to You know, compete with a team that won 100 games last year And maybe got better But this is a team that I'm going to probably play a lot Individually, game to game I'll probably have them a lot in, in fantasy And some DraftKings pitching matchups And stuff like that So uh, I'm, I'm really high on the White Sox Yeah, I mean Aaron Bummer and Alex Colomb may have been the most underrated one-two yep. punch in a bullpen. Yeah, uh, they're fantastic, lefty-righty, respectively. Um, yeah, very, very underrated duo there in uh, in the South Side of Chicago. And hey, man, that lineup, man. I mean, one to five: Tim Anderson, Yohan Mankato, uh, Abreu, Grandal, Encarnacion, and even. Further down, Jimenez and Mazzara that they got from and, uh, and Texas. And then Robert, you just Luis don't Robert. know what you're going to get from this guy who's like the favorite to win the rookie of the year in a lot of betting uh, betting sites. And he's projected to hit between 25 and 30 home runs. He just looks he, like he is in my yep. 
Oh, yeah, and high average and everything. Uh, stolen base artist. He's got it all, man. Five-tool kind of guy. He's in my top three for our Rookie of the Year predictions. They are ranked uh, ESPN Power Rank number 18. They're plus 350 to win the AL Central, which I think might be worth a, a few bucks. They're plus 1,200 to win the AL, and they're plus 4,500 to win the World Series. Let's move on in the Central to the Cleveland Indians. Took a little – I mean, they had some good spurts. Throughout last year they've lost a couple Big pieces from their rotation uh, That were you know big parts of their rotation The last few years like this has been one of the best Teams in baseball over the last five seasons I think they're going to continue To regress a bit because the division With the White Sox moving up and with the Twins getting a little bit better I'm not sure how good This Indians team is The the lineup is what concerns me I think pitching Wise if Clevenger is able to get healthy now Because the season's a little farther back they they still have some some solid arms, but I just don't like their depth really at all. Agreed. Uh, you know I'm not very high on this team. Um, obviously, anytime you've got Lindor, uh, the excitement's going to be there. And I think Fran Mel Reyes is one of those guys that can bang out 40, 45 home runs. Uh, his his batting average isn't great, but he's sure fun to watch. It's just huge huge presence at the plate. But overall, yeah. And I, I really can't pinpoint it because they don't have any major holes. I just think that their window of opportunity is closed up. Sure. They had a lot of really good players and pitchers and Power for some and reason. They just, and yeah, they some of the bullpen pieces, Andrew Miller and them. Yeah. They've dis, they've kind of dismantled it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's because. They've got some organizational minor league depth that they're kind of waiting on or what the case may be. But I think that they they blew it up knowing that they weren't going to win with this team. It's kind of like the Clippers, you know, when when they broke up the trio. So that's kind of how I'm looking at the Indians. They're probably a mid-pack finisher. Yeah, they added Cesar Hernandez, Domingo Santana. Those those will be okay acquisitions for them. And, um, you know, Plesak and Savali, they'll give them okay, like, Start starting pitching. I'm just yeah. I'm just not that high on them. They're actually ESPN Power ranked number nine, which I think is a little high. They're plus two seventy five to win the AL Central. They're plus twelve hundred to win the American League, and they're plus four thousand to win the World Series. But yeah, I'm just not. I'm not too high on them this year. Uh, the team next coming up is the Detroit Tigers. They're another one of those teams going to be battling for probably the worst team in baseball. But I think the Detroit Tigers and the Royals, who we'll talk about next. They do have some things to look forward to. They have multiple really good young pitching prospects that are probably a year away that might show up sometime throughout the season. But I mean, they just don't they just don't have a ton of of like really good current major league talent that that's like ready to go right now. Yeah, I mean the best hitter is uh, is probably still Miguel Cabrera, and uh, his best years were five. Way years ago. behind, yeah, yeah, way behind him. No. I did. It's just it's just hard to find a, a whole lot to be excited about, except for their future. This this is another team who I'm I'm assuming like with Baltimore and maybe even Kansas City, but they're they're going to be probably close to losing 100 games again. See, I'm I'm actually high on Kansas City, and I'll wait until. Yeah, yeah. I remember them. you were you were higher on Kansas City last year. I was year. high on them last year. Yeah, and you know and, what? And they, like, on paper, they don't look as bad as the other bad teams. That's what's that's what sticks out about Kansas City a little bit. And maybe they're going to go for it a little bit this year. So, okay, let's let's transition into Kansas City. So, tell us a little bit uh, about why you like them this year. 
Apologize. Took a gulp of water there. <laughs> no problem. This is a this is a this is a pretty intense marathon. You know, no commercial oh, yeah. breaks. No, you know? I know. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're used to the uh, yeah we're we're used to the the three or four breaks for sure. Exactly. So uh, yeah, the Royals. I mean, here's the thing with them. I think they're very well balanced offensively. When you look at that lineup, it is, you know, Whit Merrifield and Mondesi, Jorge Soler, you know, he was a big prospect from back in the day. 48 home runs last year. And he had the quietest 48 home run season. I would have never in memory. Like, remembered that. Yeah, never. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, I think their, their lineup from top to bottom is pretty decent. That, um, is it Mikhail Franco, Michael Franco, yeah, Franco whatever, coming in from Philly? From Philly. I mean, I think that's going to be a big be better. Move. He was supposed to be better. There was kind of a lot of pressure on him because he sure. was kind of a, a highly regarded. Sometimes you need the new scenery. And you mentioned with with Merrifield, Dozier, Soler, Mondesi, who's now going to have a little more time to get healthy because he was banged up. You have Salvador Perez coming back after missing due to a big injury. Nicky Lopez is someone that they're really really high on. And then you mentioned Franco. Alex Gordon's back for one more time. I think and Ryan O'Hearn. I don't know if you mentioned him yeah. or not. Too. No, he's, no. He's, he's, a, he's a masher. Basher. Th- so they, they really have like four starters who, you know, even their starting pitching is kind of interesting because like all of them have had a good year or so, but they've, they, but then they've had a bad year after or they haven't been quite. It's like you have with Keller, with uh, Jonas, with Jake Jonas, with Danny Duffy, and then even Mike Montgomery coming in. So, you know, there's much worse staffs out there. All of these guys, if they hit their best, they're, they have more of a ceiling than a lot of the teams that are quote-unquote bad teams, I feel like. I, I honestly think that they're going to compete for a wildcard spot. Every year you have a team or two that come out of nowhere. Sure. I thought that they were going to be that team last year. Uh, but hey, look, they're they're a young team, you know. Uh, the only you know they only have two guys in their starting lineup that are uh, north of thirty. Uh, Whit Merrifield is thirty one, and Alex Gordon's thirty six. And uh, outside of that, man, I mean, they're they're a bunch of 25, 26, 27 year olds, and uh, that's usually a good formula, like we've seen with the Braves, you know. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time for things to kind of click and come together. But um, you know, I, I kind of. When I'm looking at teams, when I'm kind of handicapping in baseball, I'll usually kind of have like a plus, minus, or a dash for, uh, you know, does he have more upside still? Does yep. this hitter have more upside? And I think they've got a lot of pluses. You know, Alex Gordon's best is behind him, right? Uh, but he might be able to replicate. So he might. Yeah, and like he's more of like a veteran presence there. Yeah, he might yeah. get like a dash or something like that. But you know, I think uh, I think we're going to see a lot out of Mondesi and. Uh, you know, uh, I think Franco is is going to be in a better place to uh, take another step forward. He, like you said, he they kind of th- there was a lot of expectations for him in Philadelphia, and I think sometimes when you get that fresh start, you know that's that might be the the free agent signing that they look back at as, hey, this guy not just sh- only shored up third base, but he brought a stick and uh, and 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 you know hit twenty five plus home runs type thing you know, where uh, where he kind of solidifies himself in that lineup. So I, I have this team as a wild card. So you got to put a few bucks on them because they're actually number 26 in the ESPN power rankings. They are plus 10,000 to win the AL Central, 12,000 to win the AL, and 50,000 to win the World Series. And I think Detroit didn't mention them. They're Detroit's number 29 in the ESPN power rankings, and they're slightly uh, lower. They're actually 100,000 plus 100,000 to win the World Series there. So um, the 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 
Experts don't think a whole lot of the NL Central. You got to put a few bucks on the Royals there, though, because if they uh, if they have a good year, it, we're going to all be saying great call, Mike Abadir. I mean, are the, the Twins look like one of the best teams in baseball this year, right? They won a hundred plus games last year, and don't they look better? Big move, big move. Getting uh, you know the rich get richer, right? Yeah. When you're talking about uh, bringing a, a basher like Donaldson, uh, lo- you know, getting a little bit old, but he still he still brings it every night. And uh, you know, when that guy's healthy, man, he's he's probably been one of the best third basemen in the last decade in in baseball between his years of the A's, Blue Jays, and the Braves. And uh, I think he's going to keep doing his thing with Minnesota this year. Yeah, man, look, their lineup is uh, is terrific. You know, they led the league in home runs last year. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to replicate that or not. A lot of guys, it's hard to tell because I don't know if they had career years or not because a lot of these guys are young and hadn't been in the league you're long right, enough You're right. To That's know a great point. If, if it's a career year or not. So, no big sample size. We don't know. Maybe they, maybe they are just this good. Maybe not. Regardless, even if they don't hit as many home runs, they should be able to not give up as many home runs this year because their pitching is just deeper. They made some moves there. I mean, adding... Um, you know, Rich Hill is going to be banged up for a while, but again, the longer we wait before we start the season, that's even better for them in getting Rich Hill healthy, who who definitely is one that's hard to to trust because he he does get banged up a lot. But I've always been a really big Kent Maeda guy. He's a very nice like middle of the rotation or a great bullpen arm. They added a uh, Shasin also. They added Homer Bailey. You know, those are four guys who might be in their starting rotation. Yeah, but they. You know, I mean, outside of Berrios, you know, I don't think that there's anybody that's like a stopper. It's terrifying. They don't scare you. They're just no. more arms, which, you know, which I mean, Odorizzo is your number two. Yeah. So that kind of says something, you know, uh, the offense is definitely going to carry this team and uh, they're they're going to go as far as their pitching will take them. And uh, and I don't know. That's the, to me, that's the big question mark. Uh, on this ball club is uh, how how will the start starting rotation hold up, and um, yeah, that's that's kind of my take on Minnesota. Yep, Pineda's got a 39 game uh, suspension still to serve. Maybe a little more time for Byron Buxton to get healthy. They're the ESPN Power Rankings number five team. They're minus 150 to win the AL Central. They're plus 800 to win the American League. Plus 2,000 to win the World Series. We move on to the American League West. And we will begin with a team that everyone's curious about, the Astros. Now, do you think because of the coronavirus stuff and the fact that it's been a while since all this Astros stuff is going on, do you think that's going to be better for the Astros when the season starts as as far as maybe they're not going to get all the vitriol from every fan base because we've just been through a weird time in the world and it's not quite as fresh? New manager... um... You know, there's been some distance from the cheating scandal, but mm-hmm. I think once the season starts back up, I think it's not even necessarily the hate that they're going to get from the fans, which they're going to be able to completely uh, avoid this season more more likely than not. But I think it's animosity between them and the other players. Players, and uh, I think ultimately it's it's going to have a big impact on 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 this team. I do too. I think it is going to be one of the the best the best teams to uh, have like a, a poor, poor season that I we've agree. seen in a while. Yeah. You know, I, I actually have them finishing 
either third or fourth. In the I don't West. think they make the playoffs this year. I no. think they're going to miss the playoffs. I'm going to, I'm, or like maybe be one of the bot, like teams that like barely getting in for a while. I just don't, I think it's going to be harder for them this year. There's just going to be a lot of pressure on them. And you know what? Th- to talk about how like their season's going to start, I'm a little bit concerned when I start to look through their pitching staff because, you know, they lost Cole. Their Verlander and Granky are a little bit older. And and Verlander's banged up to start the season. He'll probably be okay now since the season's going to be starting a little bit later. But I mean, are if they get injured again in the season, Verlander and, and Granky, it's not going to surprise me. He's coming off a year where he gave up a ton of home runs already last year. And then and once they're thirty six and thirty seven, let's keep in mind. Once you get past those two, you're left with three starters who have not done a whole heck of a lot. They're going to be needing a ton of innings from Lance McCullers, who's just coming back from an injury. Then we're talking about Uquidi. I mean, like, we're not talking about players that have more than even a full year of experience. I don't know. I, I, I Even even with more than the, the everything that happened with the cheating scandal, I don't know if this pitching staff is quite good enough to be able to carry you through a season. I agree. I, and, I totally agree. You know, I, I like I like Osuna Presley and Josh James sure, in the bullpen. The they fine. were talking about yeah. maybe even converting Josh James to a starter, at least until Verlander comes back. Uh, I think that would be a, a pretty big mistake. But yeah, overall, man, I uh, I just don't think that they're going to be able to overcome every team in the bigs that goes up against them, wanting to bury them. Yeah, just yeah. wanting to absolutely bury them. And, and if we're in a smaller season, the team that we're going to talk about in a few minutes is a team that I'm extremely, extremely high on this year. Um, well, let's get to the Angels first. Like, I want – this lineup is good, and I want the Angels to be good this year, and I think they're going to be better, and they could – you know, any game, they could beat you with their lineup. I'm just so concerned with their depth of pitching. It seems like kind of a broken record with a lot of these teams that – Seems like a few teams have a lot of starting pitching depth, and then a lot of other teams don't. The Angels are one of them. Like they would have loved to to get either a Cole. I mean, even with the trade with the Dodgers, like Stripling would have been someone that they could have used in their like in their bullpen to kind of be a versatile reliever bullpen. I, they're going to be really fun and a lot more fun to watch, and it, it it's going to be tough to pitch to their lineup. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, no, their their lineup's fantastic, and uh, I think if they could get. Otani back on the mound again. He's a key. That would be huge. You're right. He's a huge key to them. Because now, them. because then you have, uh, you know, Andrew Heaney and and Julio Tehran, Otani, and maybe you could get some innings at least out of Dylan Bundy. Now that becomes a kind of a decent rotation where the the hitting is going to be good enough. And if you could get solid six innings out of these guys, uh, five five to six innings out of these guys on a nightly basis, see. The, the big problem with a lot of these teams that we're talking about, and, and like you mentioned, it's kind of a consistent theme, right? Most of these teams have really good hitting and subpar pitching. We're seeing that a lot in American League. But it's got to balance out somehow in terms of wins, right? No, Some, you're right. Somebody has to win, somebody has to lose. It, it doesn't really matter that much until you get into the playoffs more until so. Until you get into the playoffs, exactly. Yeah. So I think the real question is going to be how many teams get buried because their pitchers exiting in the third or fourth inning, you have to bring in your relievers, and then you got to get ready for another game in a couple of hours. Yep. Right. If they're going to have as many double headers as they're talking about, that's going to be a big, big issue. So, 
you know that, that so having an Otani would be huge is the bottom line. They got uh Felix Pena. Even and... if they could get just like ten starts out of him. Yeah, no, absolutely. They don't need him to start twenty five games. They just need him there in for big games when when they may, like you said, kind of maybe you need a stopper here and there. They they just not to be hurt to have the option of using him if they start to struggle. Pena, Griffin Canning, um, help the staff. Bundy, um, he gives up a lot of home runs, but he actually has some good strikeout stuff. Heaney is another one, and Tehran. So I mean. They have Andreessy's only had a couple starts the last few years. Pat Sandoval is another. There, there's a weird hodgepodge. Like I can, I can see it being formed if a couple of these guys just have decent years. It's not going to take a whole lot for them to be competitive. They just can't have the last couple of years. Their pitching has been like anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and it's just completely fallen, like fallen through the bottom fo- the door, bottom floor. I mean, they, they can't have a situation like that. Even with their their strong lineup, they need one or two of these pitchers to really step up and and to be good for them, um, because their team that they're going to be facing a lot in this division is a team that has one of the best pitching staffs, in my opinion, in the league. And this is the team that I'm really high on. I know you were a lot higher on them last year um, than I was, and and I saw the way that this A's team ended the season in their final hundred games. They were better than the Astros. Their lineup is one of the most underrated lineups each and every year, and this pitching staff is incredible. So uh, before I kind of get a little more into them, what do you think about this A's team? Yeah, just a, one more quick note on the uh, Angels. Sure, I'm very yeah. excited. I know you mentioned uh, Griffin Canning, another youngster that I'm super super excited to see is Joe Adele. Uh, yes, I really hope yes, that he gets yes. an opportunity to, you know, he's he's one of those guys. I put him, uh, put a star next to him in terms of rookie of the year consideration. This guy's super, super talented. So I'm excited about him. Yeah, in terms of the A's, you know, they have, uh, you know, look, man, they're 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 stacked. They're stacked on all sides of the ball, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, young, starting from the deep. yeah, they're young, they're deep. They got power. They got athleticism. And they did all that last year with Chris Davis having a really, really subpar year. You know, it'll be inter- interesting to see if he could go back to being Mr. Consistent. I think he's one of those guys that um, has, has done the rare feat of landing on, like, the same batting average and home runs multiple years. And uh, if he could get back to that 40 home run guy in that lineup, I mean, uh, this is a team that I, like you, am very high on them, especially, too, because we're going to hopefully – Hopefully, get get to see full seasons out of Jesus Lazardo, Sean Manea, um, you know the 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 one who broke the cheating scandal. Mike Fires, good presence there. He's he's kind of the the older veteran, and then AJ uh, Puck, uh, uh, as well as Frankie Montes. Montes, too. so who was I mean, a lot of these guys are highly talented. ERA last year. This yep. yes. So uh, yeah, I mean, and then their bullpen was just lights out. They're fantastic. Hendricks has turned into one of the best closers in the game. I just think that they're from top to bottom. They're just a really, really good baseball team. They have, they are projected to have 10 players on their team with over 15 home runs, three with over uh, seven, with over 20, and then three more with over 30. Then ESPN, they're power ranked number eight. They're plus 300 to win the AL West, which I'm going to play. They're plus 1400 to win the American league. I think with their pitching, they legitimately have an opportunity in a series to beat a team like the Yankees. Uh, and they're plus 3,500 to win the world series. This is one of the teams that I'm, I'm the most high on this year. I absolutely love this A's team. I think they're going to be really, really good. Um, let's close out the AL West. Yeah, with- and by the way, 
uh, it'll be inter- interesting to see kind of this Stephen Piscotty really take that next step forward. You know, I was kind of high on him with St. Louis, and uh, he ca- he came over to the A's because he had a, a, a mother who was was uh, uh, was uh, going through cancer, I believe, if I remember correctly. And uh, and uh, this guy, he's still young enough. He's still in his late twenties, and I think this guy can maybe put it together and have like a career type year uh, out of the outfield. But one more thing I wanted to quickly mention uh, regarding their bullpen. And I don't know if this is one of those kind of money ball strategies, but I don't think it's by accident because when you look at their, their lineup, their starting nine, uh, or at least let's just say, yeah, through, through the DH, Chris Davis, outside of the DH, Chris Davis, it's a very young lineup. Okay. When you look at their pitching staff outside of Mike Fires, very young, young pitching staff, 22, 24, 27, 28. But then you go over to their bullpen, and their key guys are all in their mid-30s. Hendricks, Petit, Petit Soraya, Soria, uh, yep. and, and Diekman. And I wonder if that's by strategy, right? You, you, have, like the, you have to have a crazy mental makeup to be a reliever. Yes. Come in in just the worst of predicaments, jams all the time. And I think when you're talking about a young team, I think it's very demoralizing giving up leads. And so I think it's a unique strategy. I think I don't think that there's any other team in baseball where there are four key guys. Uh, there might be a couple teams. I guess the Yankees, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, but I don't know, man. I know that's kind of a, an odd thing to kind of like stop and and kind of think about but man i'll tell you man when when you're giving up leads there is nothing that can bring down and deflate a team on the flip side to have that shutdown closing unit that shutdown committee that can get you to the promised land it could really build momentum man yep i i like this team um, two more teams in the American League to discuss. Um, one's kind of an interesting team. They had a good like first half of the year last year. They didn't make a whole lot of moves throughout their lineup, but their pitching staff, they brought in Kluber, and now this Texas Rangers team is going to be a team that will hope that they have one of the better starting rotations in the league with Miner and Lynn, who had really good years last year. You put them together with Kluber. Where do you stand with Texas? I have them finishing second in the division behind the A's. So I think that they've done some nice things. I think the Kluber moves uh, is, is a nice move. Um, you know, the guy that I am, and, and the, Todd Frazier, you know, he's going to be a good you know, veteran presence in that lineup. The guy I'm really excited for is Willie Calhoun. I knew he kind of suffered yes. an injury earlier this year. And, but, but he should be met- ready now, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like he's going to be ready to rock and roll. So, yeah, I mean, they're a team that's very well managed. Uh, you know, they've, I like teams... I like managers who are able to get more out of their players, you know, kind of beat the expectations. Um, and and I think the Rangers are kind of one of those teams that can uh, quietly hang in there and, uh, you know, make some noise. Yeah, th- th- they're going to be good. I think when you have a, a pitching staff that sh- that's going to be that solid, they shouldn't have, like, any, really a lot of bad stretches where they're losing, you know, six, seven, eight, ten games in a row. Um, they're number 21 in the ESPN Power Rankings. They're plus 1,600 to win the ALS, plus 3,300 to win the American League, plus 12,500 to win the World Series. The Seattle Mariners, as we close out the American League, 
they're they're a tough team on paper. They, it's incredible. It feels like ten years ago that they had that unbelievable start to the season last year, and then they just went absolutely ice cold after that. There are a couple. Decent starters, they have a couple veterans In their lineup, they're ESPN Power ranked number 28 They're a huge price to win the AOS The American League, they're 50,000 Plus 50,000 to win the World Series Um, maybe it's a little Easier for their staff in a shorter season They bring in Graveman, they bring in Walker Who are coming back from injuries, but I I don't know, I I just don't Get really excited about this team Uh, This is a 4A team Yeah, right I mean, Seeger, Crawford, maybe Hanager, but there's just so many question marks about their lineup. Yeah, yeah, really. I don't really have is. a lot to say about them. No, we don't. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on. They're a very good team. Yeah, we we just don't. It's it's hard when you when you don't have a lot to say. I just they're going to be, you know, they're projected to be one of the bottom teams in the league. So uh, easy for us to move on over to the National League and the East and the Central both look like divisions. That at least are projected to be super competitive, and then the West is kind of projected to be the opposite. So. We'll start in the National League East with the Braves Who, you know, they made a, they made a couple additions This is a team that bullpen's definitely stronger than it was at the beginning of last year Their starting pitching should be a little bit stronger Especially if uh, Hamels is healthy and he's able to help out there And then when you have, like, their lineup that's young And that's going to be locked up for a while Like, they're going to be a competitive team in contention for a long time Kind of feels like the last few years, though, you and I are never really as high on the Braves Yeah, and I, I've learned the lessons, you know I think this team is, is the real deal. And uh, I think the Ozuna move is huge. He's got a ton of okay. ability. Yep. And he's one of those guys, I think, when it's hot and humid in the middle of the summer and uh, in Atlanta, I don't know if that's going to be this year, uh, but in the future years, he's going to be a guy that's going to rake. Yeah, I'm high on this team. I think their uh, first four, top four of, uh, you know, in the lineup are as good, probably the best in baseball. Acuna, Albies, Freeman, and Ozuna. It'd be very tough to find a team that can top those uh, top four in that lineup. And, um, you know, their their pitching staff is interesting because you've got a lot of young guys who are still, who have had uh, s- success, like Soraka, like Freed, like uh, Fulty. You know, these guys have all had success, along with Cole Hamels. I think the wild card is going to be King Felix. Yeah. Can you give them a little something at the back end of the rotation? Um, Newcomb is a little, ver- it gives them a little bit of versatility there, too. And uh, and then their bullpen with Melanson, Green, and Will Smith. I mean, that's three better relievers than they had early in last year when Luke Jackson was closing games for them. You yeah. Know? So they're definitely just a deeper, better, stronger built team throughout. I mean, one of their only real question marks, I guess, is third base, and it'll be either Austin Riley who had that really good start to the year, and then in Camargo. But they're you know they're a good team. They're a deep team. They're ESPN projected power ranking number six. They're your two, your plus two uh, hundred to uh, plus two hundred favorites to win the NL East. They're plus eight hundred to win the NL. They're plus eighteen hundred to win the World Series. They, uh, this is a good team. I mean, if if Danzy Swanson can continue to just be like a pretty good player, um, there, yeah, not not a whole lot of knocks. For, former on. Vandy teammate of uh, Walker Bueller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, uh, not... They have a very deep, experienced bench as well. By the way, with uh, Tyler Flowers and uh, Culberson, Adam even Ball, like Diarno, Travis Diarno, who kind of had a reawakening yep. last year. Um, yep. he'll help them out a little bit too. Um, yeah, they're they're, they're good. They're they're like a well built ball club, and I think I just I don't think they're they're solid. They're going to be right in the mix with you know. Um, I don't know about Miami, the Marlins, who I guess we'll mention next uh, briefly. They. 
they're another one of these teams where when you're bad for a few years, you're going to start to gain some really nice assets and some really good players. And what uh, what Miami did at least this year was they they brought in a couple other veterans to where they shouldn't be so so bad. Two or three other veterans that can kind of help them out a little bit, but they're a team that still feels like their best young players are another year and a half away. I think that's uh, very well put, Gino. Um, you know the we we don't know yet what kind of executive Derek Jeter is. No, no, but what we still do out. know is for a quote unquote owner, he's very involved. Doesn't it seem like he kind of plays the general manager role uh, at, at times with this team? So he, he's definitely making his. I, I'd be very curious actually to look to look at the titles. Uh, of their front office and uh, who's making and, the decisions yeah. and who's making all the calls, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting team because like you said, they brought in some veteran guys like Corey Dickerson, uh, you know, they got Jonathan Jesus Aguilar. Aguilar. Yeah. yeah so. And Aguilar was one of those guys that was bashing a couple of years ago with Milwaukee and then just kind of dropped off a cliff, went to Tampa. Now he gets kind of settled for an entire off season, fresh start in Miami uh, this uh, Ison or Isan Diaz kid is is pretty good. Diaz, Brinson, Ramirez, guy. they like. Yeah, they're all like good. Brinson young. hasn't materialized, man. He's yeah, he's been a top rated prospect for multiple years, and just, and it just hasn't happened. So it'll be interesting to see if if uh, you know he kind of is able to kind of find that power stroke there. Yeah, their pitching is is not bad. You know, like I like Alcantara was an all star in 2019. He had a 3.8 ERA in 32 starts. In 2018, Urena had a, a 3.9 ERA and a 1.18 whip. Um, and uh, Caleb Smith is not bad. He can strike guys out. And all five of their starters are 28 and under. So, you know, they have a little bit of, they have some upside. They just still feel like they're maybe a year and a half to, or two away from like seriously contending in what's a, what's a, a pretty tough division. Um, a team that, I think suffered a really big blow just last week when we found out that Noah Syndergaard is going to have Tommy John surgery and he's going to miss this season because you know what on paper it looked like the Mets were were going to get back to having a really nice starting staff they made a couple moves with the extra time maybe they'll be able to get Cespedes back and get a little production out of out of him but I just worry now you know losing someone like Syndergaard who didn't even have a very good year last year and he's kind of been trending the opposite way he just is one that goes out there and gives you a ton of innings eats a ton of innings up I don't know if they have enough now in a pretty competitive division it'll all be about what 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 can the Mets get out of Stroman, yes. Marcelo, and Michael Waka? Uh, three veterans that have come over from different teams, as well as Steven Matz. Does he finally take that next step forward? He's a lefty. He's been assured a spot in, in the rotation. He's one of those guys that could surprise everybody and get 15, 16 wins. He's got some good stuff. But, yeah, it all begins and ends with DeGrom. So, you know, do, do the Mets get some quality innings. Does Edwin Diaz go back to being the absolute shutdown closer he well, I mean, was with the yeah, Mariners? You a lot if, of question marks, you know? Because, like, that bullpen, if you got the best version of Diaz, the best version of Familia, and the best version of Batances, like, that's a good back three pieces of a bullpen. And we're not talking about, like, these guys being 10 years removed from that. We're talking no. about one or two years. Absolutely. So no, yeah, they're no doubt about that. Question marks on their team. I just I would like them so much more if we just had Cindergard also. They they were a team that 
like Fangraph's projections have um, before Syndergaard got hurt, had the Mets winning 87 games and being uh, in a battle in the wild card with the Padres. So, um, you know, teams, people are high on this this group of, of Mets. They have some young ability. Uh, I know you were super high on Pete Alonso. You called him out, you know, as being like a big star early on, and he was your rookie of the year pick last year. So you were all over that one. Um, th- yeah, th- there's some fun, there's some reason to be uh, excited if you're a Mets fan. It's just, before the season even starts and you know that you're like your number two pitcher is just already out for the year That's just a big blow um, right away And then uh, and then the Phillies who I don't know what this Phillies team man I, I really don't, I don't I'm, not, I'm not sure what to think with them I don't think they're going to be bad um, I, I still feel like maybe they need another another starter it, Nola was like a Cy Young stud two years ago and then last year he was just okay um, this is one of the most the more difficult teams in the entire league for me to get a feel for. I really don't have a great gauge on them this year. What do you think about the Phillies? Yeah, I mean, look, their lineup is super talented with the Dutchins, yeah. and Harper and Hoskins, Real Muto, uh, Gregorius, Kingery. I mean, up and down their lineup, they're they've got guys who have proven themselves in the big leagues, MVP guys, uh, multiple MVP guys. I can't put a finger on it, Gino. Yeah. I just think, first of all, even though they're pitching staff, it's kind of crazy because, you know, most of the guys uh, have, they're recognizable names, you know, like Nola, Zach Wheeler, Jake Arietta, even Vince Velasquez uh, and, and Zach Eflin are decent pitchers. But for whatever reason, this team has just not been able to put it together. No, I, I left them out of my playoff mix last year. I'm good, I'm planning to do the same. I think the same year. too. Yeah, I, I just don't have them in there. I don't like their bullpen at all. And uh, Zach Wheeler has been one of those guys. You know, he was he was involved. He he was a top prospect for the Giants. Yeah, way back when. And he, to me, when when you're a pitcher, you're a top prospect, and you're making your way out to your third team already and you haven't hit 30, that kind of says something. You know, he just hasn't been able to be that complete package. Hey, man, maybe the, maybe the new manager will make a difference. I don't know. But for right now, this is not a, a team that I've got as a, as a, a playoff ball club. No, neither does ESPN. They're power ranked number 17. They're plus 350 to win the NL East, plus 1,200 to win the NL, plus 4,000 to win the World Series. And uh, and then we go to your World Series reigning champs, the Washington Nationals, who, I mean, they caught they caught lightning in a bottle in a sense last year that, like you mentioned, they, the beginning of the year, this was not a very good baseball team. They got a little bit healthy at the end of the year. Their pitching started to line up really well. They're going to bring that pitching back again. They're going to have the same one through four starters, but they are definitely going to lose uh, some with Rendon. They're able to fill in in some spots. They're really high on uh, Carter Keyboom. Who's a youngster coming up They have a couple veterans that they may be able to Kind of plug and play if need be Guys like Kendrick and uh, and Cabrera So this is probably going to be a good team again Like with their pitching I don't think they're going to be that bad But we've seen it You've seen it as a Red Sox fan I've seen it as a Dodgers fan It's not easy to go to the World Series and come back I'm now I'm just curious what this time off will do Will it maybe help them give them a little bit more time For some of their arms to recover After going longer deeper into the season I'm not like I, I Strasburg last year I would have taken him maybe over any pitcher In, in a big game But I don't think that would be the case if I was starting a franchise. He's not always been the one that I would necessarily trust to build my team around. I, I, I'll take him in a game, you know, on any short list, sure. So 
I, I still think they're going to be like battling for a wild card team. I think they'll probably be behind the Braves. I have them pick second in the division. Yeah, a, t- a tough team for me to put a finger on for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. You know, obviously losing a, a big stick in the middle of the lineup is going to be impactful, but they've got a very athletic lineup uh, mm-hmm. star- at the top of Trey Turner. Juan Soto just got his driver's license, yeah. uh, just turned 21. <laughs> Victor Robles is one of those guys that uh, is really exciting to watch. And I think him and Soto are going to be a great outfield tandem for this ball club for the next decade. So I think, and you mentioned Carter Kaiboom as well, him and his brother, are both in the organization. I think this is one of those teams like the Braves, their fan base is going to be happy for a while, a long time to come. Mm-hmm. And if if it's not this year, it's it's gonna be next year type team, you know. Even though um, things like uh, Eric Dames is another one, you know, who can have who can come in and get you hit your sure. home run, and especially sure. when you don't need him to be an everyday producer in your lineup. So they feel like they're um, they're a little bit deeper than they've been. You know, like you mentioned the bench, some of the, the the like the options that they have to bring in off the bench, and even their bullpen. Like this is a team who. You know, the last few years, they've always had the, the really good starting pitching, but their bullpen has struggled. But that was not the case last year with Daniel Hudson, with Doolittle, with Harris. Like, don't, that's not a bad couple to anchor the back end of your bullpen. That's true. You know, when I'm when I'm evaluating a lot of these teams, I especially if they have got a, a good starting rotation and, uh, you know, the Nationals have frontline starters. So we know that innings eating innings is not going to be an issue for them. Yep. You know, they've got tremendous Scion type pitchers. So I go typically I go to what kind of production are they gonna get up the middle and out of first base and right field? And that's a very telling sign for for a team. And so when you go up the middle, starting with the catcher, Jan Gomes, eh. Second baseman, Starlin Castro, uh, he's not eh. bad, he's serviceable, yeah. right? Trey Turner, yeah, he, he, he's he's good. Victor Robles is good. Yeah, uh, but we, you know, that first base, right field, power positions. Eric Thames and Adam Eaton. You know, Eaton's one of those guys that's very athletic. It just can't stand the field long enough. So I think there's subpar in both of those positions. Yeah, they have, they have don't holes. get me wrong. I like Eric Thames. No, he's done holes, some great things for sure. Yeah, I think he's done good things since he came over from uh, the Korean League. But with that said, I mean, those are two power positions that you have to get production out of. And I don't see it from them. And I think that's going to be the biggest issue. And I think that's why the Rendon, uh, the loss of Rendon is going to be a kind of a glaring omission in that lineup, right? It's going to put pressure on everybody else to have to do that much more. So even if Soto and Robles do what everybody thinks they're going to do, which is to keep improving and put up crazy numbers and Trey Turner stealing 50 bases, it's probably not going to be enough, you know, if you're not going to get anything out of right field, second base, first base, catcher, Etc. And 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 Carter Kaibumi, he's been a uh, a highly rated prospect for a while now. Um, he's still very young, but he's still he's got to do it, man. He's got to make it happen. And and we don't know yet where he's uh, you know where he fits into the equation. We move on from the uh, east to the central. This one, as far as the betting odds are concerned, is supposed to be the most competitive division in baseball. It looks like there's really on paper only one team that. If you're a fan of that team You don't really feel like you have a shot The other four teams, you know, you can build the case For them to win this division uh, Let's begin with 
you know, a team that I know you and I were both not really high on last year, and I'm not high on them again this year. And they are the slight favorite in this division to win. That is the Cubs. You know, to me, there are a lot of question marks around this Cubs team. Their pitching staff's getting a little bit older. Uh, I didn't really love their staff last year, and now uh, I'm really concerned about them. And then you have questions about, you know, what's going to happen with Chris Bryant. Um, are they going to resign Baez? What's up with Rendon? Um, maybe a Kimbrel, someone to trade if they don't get off to, to a good start. It's going to be a first-time manager who's kind of a younger man. I think he's going to be a good manager, but it's going to be his first time. He knows a lot of these players on like a friend level and not necessarily the manager to player level. I'm a little worried about the Cubs. I'm not going to. I'm not going to have them in the playoffs. They're going to be battling Pittsburgh for last in the division. I don't. Yeah, I don't I, like the bottom half of their lineup at all, and their pitching staff. They've all had. They've all experienced their best seasons. Yep. The, the best seasons for all five pitchers is behind them. They're all in their 30s, and you might get some innings out of them, but you're not going to get excellence out of them. So this is, this is one of those really, really sad stories of a team that should have been a World Series contender for year. five to seven years, every single year, and uh, at least they got that one ring to show for it, and it's kind of a, a bummer that they weren't able to sustain it but um you know maybe maybe their biggest subtraction is their manager i agree Uh, he was he's a good manager he things things did not go well for them and we talk we like we can highlight it in their pitching staff and now he's going to be um over the angels i think he's going to do some good things there sometimes you i guess you're you're what you're preaching just doesn't doesn't hit the same group after a while but i I don't know. I just don't get a good feel for the Cubs, which is the polar opposite of the team, the, the next team that we're going to talk about. Another team that made a, a, a like, if you say teams that won the offseason, this was definitely one of them. And uh, we're talking about the Cincinnati Reds, who, I mean, you look at their starting pitching Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, and Wade Miley at the top of that rotation. They made a couple uh, additions there. They bring in Pedro Strope to add the bullpen, they bring in Mike Mustakis and Nick Castellanos. And Shogo Akiyama This team on paper Is very very well built I I like this team a lot in this division Mike I do too This is my division winner I, I'm gonna if pick you remember too. going yeah. into the last year, I uh, I predicted that they'd be a top five. You were higher staff. on yes, you were very high on them last year too, and they're just a little. They're pitching. And they're is just, better. They're better. They're much better. And and the rest of the division is weaker. Right, they're Agreed. all the like, every team feels like they're a little bit weaker than they were last year. Um, the Cubs, even the even the Cardinals, and so the Reds are a little bit better. The, the Pirates looked like they were going to be a little bit better last year. They're struggling. So, yeah, I mean, I, this Reds team, when you look at a team now that's going to be able to throw out Eugenio Suarez, Joey Votto, Mustakis, Castellanos, Freddie Galvez, Nick Senzel, uh, Winker, Akiyama, that's. That's a good team. They're going to have four legitimate starting pitchers. Um, Descalafini is another one who, you know, he can give you some innings there too if you need be. And then with their bullpen, when you have, you know, uh, Iglesias, Amir Garrett, Lorenzen, Molly, Strope at the end of the bull. Like, I like this team a lot. I'm, I, I'm going to take some flyers on this team, definitely to win the Central. They are the power ranked. Team that is number 13 in the ESPN power rankings They're plus 275 to win the NL Central Plus 1400 to win the National And plus 4000 to win the World Series Yeah, and, and you know and Their minor league depth Isn't necessarily there But they've got some good prospects though 
you know, and uh, we, we saw a glimpse of Nick Senzel last year. Um, they've got some guys like Jonathan India, Hunter Green, who's going to be a phenom. He's one of those guys that, uh, you know, he's a starting pitcher and can hit. He's one of those two-way guys. Um, so they've got some guys that hopefully we're going to be seeing in the big leagues in the next year or two. I think this team is going to be fun to watch for a while. Let's jump into the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, I, I worry. Like the, the Brewers have done a really good job over the last couple of years. You know, it's, it's a lot of it's been on with their bullpen and, and a strong bullpen. And now they've got Kristen Yelich locked up for a while. And uh, Hiura was really good. He hit 19 home runs in 84 games. Their, their top of their lineup is still solid, but they just feel like they feel like they have a lot of holes too. They feel kind of similar to what I think maybe what we were talking about the Phillies or maybe even the Nationals, like a good team in good spots, but how big are their holes going to be? I mean, like what is their starting pitching going to look like? Like after um after Woodruff, who's, you know, probably their number 1, then we're talking about Lynn Bloom, who's back from Korea, Adrian Hauser, Brett Anderson, Eric Lauer's the rest of their starting rotation. I like Brock Holt. I think that's going to be a good move for them. You know about Holt. He's kind of a nice plug and play, kind of fill in everywhere. And you obviously have a stud in the bullpen in Hader, who even started to come back to life a little bit last year. So I don't know. I, I just I don't think they're going to be an awful team, but I, I think they're going to be like a 500 team. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think they're that trio kind of in the middle of the lineup, you know, Kane and Yelich, and you know, like you mentioned, the rookie uh, SoCal product, Keston Hira. Uh, he's 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 the real deal. Only 23 years old. Um, outside of that, you have a bunch of wild cards in that lineup. So, uh, yeah, I'm not very high on their lineup. I'm not high on their pitching staff. Their bullpen's been their MVP for a while now. It'll probably be their, uh, you know, it'll probably be the single reason why they will contend. But ultimately, they just don't have enough firepower, either uh, offensively or pitching-wise. Uh, up next is the number 25th ranked team in the ESPN Power Rankings. That's the Pittsburgh Pirates. I just I don't see a whole lot to look forward to for this team. They have one player that's projected to hit over 16 home runs this year, and that's Josh Bell. Um, they only have one starter that's projected under a 4 ERA, and that's Talion, and he's out for a while. I just, I mean, you you go through their lineup, it's Polanco. I mean, you're going to get Dyson, who hasn't even been an everyday player. He's going to be starting in center field for them a lot of the time. Maybe you can get a little something from Trevor Williams and Mitch Keller, who who have upside as pitching, like their pitching staff, starting pitching with Archer and Musgrove, who can who can have good years. Like that still still feels like their strength. But how the hell is this team going to score any runs? You know, Brian Reynolds proved to be a really good hitter last year. Josh Bell is one of the better hitters in NL, and then and Polanco. Outside of that. You know, it's kind of like the same thing with the Brewers. You know, they have maybe like a good core, but overall, top to bottom, not a very good lineup. I, look, Dyson's a fun guy to watch. You know, he's fast as heck. He's going to steal a lot of bases. You know, just a matter of uh, getting on base. You know, that's that's going to be the the key for him because yeah. yep. he could fly. He could definitely fly around the bases. Um, yeah, pitching wise, you know, when they made that trade and got Chris Archer, it kind of sent a different signal to me, me too. than how they've behaved since then. Yep. I thought they were going for it and it was like, nah, we just made a trade for him and then they didn't, there was no follow-up move. Yeah. Now Mitch Keller, he's been, he's been their top uh, organizational prospect for a while. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's see if he's able to um, kind of meet, meet the expectations and, you know, beyond. Yeah. I mean, Here's the thing. When you have a lot of wild cards, 
you're asking a lot for if you need all of them to come through. You know, whereas the team, you know, if they get production from just one out of these two guys, that's one thing. But when you're like, hey, we've got, you know, four pitchers that we're not exactly sure what we're going to get out of them and five guys in the yep. lineup that we don't know what we're going to get out of necessarily. Odds uh, are it's not going all it's well. It's not going to work out. Yeah, it's just not. And and, and it would, it's funny, last year a team that we both liked quite a bit is the St. Louis Cardinals. They're the final team in the in the NL Central. And they lost Ozuna. Um, I think you know the the late start might help them with Mikolas and Andrew Miller um, giving giving them a little bit of time to to get healthy to recover. They just they don't feel like they got a lot better to me than last year. They feel like a, a, like they're the same type of team. Maybe they didn't. They're a little worse by losing Ozuna. Their starting pitching is fine. You know, with Flaherty, Hudson, Wainwright, Martinez, Kwang Him Kim should be able to give them some some you know additional depth there. I just don't know how much better they are In a competitive division I have them slotted right behind the Reds I think they'll probably be battling for the division I have them both ahead of the Brewers and the Cubs I think we probably kind of see this division pretty similar It sounds like, at least on paper Yeah, agreed You know, they're, they've, I, I love their bullpen Their bullpen's fantastic uh, They've got They've got The potential of having a nice starting rotation Yes, they do, they really do uh, you know, to me, I think it's all going to come down to can Tommy Edmond replicate what he did last year over a full season, and you know, uh, New Yorker Harrison Bader, you know, can can he finally put it all together and have the type of season that I think he can have? Because this guy could be a twenty-five home run, twenty-five steal kind of guy. He can fly. He, he can, can absolutely fly. fly. Super athletic. So I like both those guys. If they can get big years out of out of those guys, they can make up for the loss of Ozuna. Let's get to the NL West. Um, this is actually the the of all the divisions. This is the one where the team uh, that project the Dodgers are the most heavily favored to win this division more than any team in any division in baseball. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they made some moves in the offseason, um, you know, bringing in Marte, who's projected to hit 20 home runs and steal 20 bases. Cole Calhoun hit 33 home runs last year. You're bringing in Madison Bumgarner. So they should improve this year. They should be better. How much better is it going to be enough to compete, you know, and push the Dodgers at all or to compete for a wild card spot? We'll see. But just the, the, some of those moves alone. They should be a little bit better team. I I have them kind of around five hundred. I think that's reasonable. You know, I think I think for them, if they can, if they can get a good season out of Zach Galen, who's he's he's a, a key, like an expert. guy they traded for from Miami. You know, he's he's going to be a key. I'm not high at all on Mike Leake. Um, I, don't, I think no. Robbie Ray is highly inconsistent. Um, we'll see what they could get out of Luke Weaver. Overall, uh, it's not a very good pitching staff. And, and you know, Bumgarner, he's had a lot of innings under his belt. You know, so we'll see how much is left in the tank for the big guy. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I think Marte and Marte at the top of that lineup, along with Escobar. That'll be fun. They're really, yeah, a lot of fun. That's a solid threesome to start, to start a ball game. But after that, you know, David Peralta, Christina Walker, you know, Cole Calhoun, Nick Ahmed, and Carson Kelly. You know, it's not a top-to-bottom fantastic lineup. Next up in the West is uh, this is one of my kind of sneaky teams. I don't know if I, I'd maybe make a wager on them to make a to make a wild card. I, I don't think they can win the division. But the Rockies two years ago and three years ago were a pretty good baseball team, 
And then last year they were just miserable. Everything went wrong. Their starting pitching went just completely haywire. And it's going to all come down to Freeland, who in 2019 was three and eleven with a six point seven three ERA. He's had a, an injury recovery. He's had a, a remodel of his windup. In 2018, he was top five in the National League in innings pitched, and he had a 2.85 ERA, which was the lowest in Rockies history. So if you if, when you look at their starting pitching, if he's just able to to come back to life and and not be that dominant, but just be an average starting pitcher, and then you you add him with the likes of you know uh, some of their other starters, very very good at the top of the lineup. You know they're going to score runs there. You know with Arenado, with Story, with Blackman, with Dahl, with Murphy, their lineup is fine. So give me Freeland, John Gray, Herman Marquez, Sandazella. That's not a bad pitching staff for this Colorado team. I think they have much better chance to be like a 500 team to a team battling for a wild card than a team that was really really bad like they were last year. Um, so I think they'll just gonna, they're going to be a little bit better than other people think they're going to be. You know when you're when you're um, like handicapping a race with a buddy, you know. Let's just say we, we're we're both uh, we both got the racing form out and we're digging through the PPs and and I ask you to make a case for a long shot that I want to put in the third, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna look at maybe like you know whatever whatever factors you like. You know, he's got early speed, high percentage trainer, first off a claim, whatever factors that you're into to be able to make a cl- uh, you know a case for that team. The case for the Rockies to maybe even do like a $10, you know, win World Series kind of wager is that most likely this year they're not going to be playing in Colorado. So yeah. where everybody's evaluating their pitching staff as being a bunch of ERAs of fours and fives and, and that type of thing, you know, in their bullpen and in their starting rotation, et cetera, you know, um, I, would, I would spend some time and look at the home and road splits for their pitchers. That's where I'd spend a lot of my time because hitting wise, uh, remarkably, I think Trevor story has been pretty consistent, uh, in Colorado and out and on the road. Uh, I think the same thing for Blackman, Daniel Murphy, we already know, um, he could hit any, just about anywhere. He's a really good solid hitter. So this might be a team that because of how people are looking at their data, the data, the analytics, the stats from last year, um, they they maybe skewed a little bit. Yep. Into into you know being kind of down That's a great on this point. team. It's a great point. And so that that to me is going to be the interesting case to be made. Is yes. you know what what are they like on uh, on a neutral know, uh, in a neutral on, spot? Yeah, on sea level. And and Wade Davis, who's a three time All Star, his twenty eighteen was okay. He had an eight point six five ERA and a one point eight WHIP. I mean, bad is an understatement for how bad he was. If you just get like slightly below average years from Wade Davis and Freeland, this team is like seven or eight games better uh, right off the bat. So I think, think they of could... how many fourteen to twelve games that they all uh, experienced. Yeah, the Dodgers went up there so, and swept so them now, in, a, now, in a series yeah. that they could have lost every game that weekend, and they should have. And it was just like they just their bullpen just kept blowing games exactly. over and over. So imagine and over. If, you're not, if you know, if you don't if you're not involved in those games, you know, think of what that would do to a stat line. You know, and, and and every one of those pitchers got beat up at home at some yep. point in time. You know, and they have a relatively young pitching staff, so I think there there there's a case to be made that this team can can beat expectations quite dramatically. With that said, I still have them below the uh, you know obviously the Dodgers, but I think Arizona's a little bit uh, in, in Colorado are going to be kind of fighting for that next spot along with San Diego, and and then we get to. 
San Diego next. Let's talk about the uh, the Padres who, you know, every year they're kind of that team that you you can look at and like you, you know you feel like, you know, they're not too far away. They made a couple of nice moves last year. Um they have a they've had a very good farm system for quite a while. So I would not be surprised in any way shape or form to see this team be be pretty good, to be a a pretty competitive type team. They would not shock me. I and like on Fangraphs, Fangraphs had them winning 87 games and battling for a playoff spot. You know, you you look if Chris Paddock continues to step forward as a top of the line starting pitcher, Zach Davies is pretty good. And then you look at Lucchesi, like if he's your three or four, and then you add Garrett Richards in the mix, like those are four pretty solid starters. You look at their lineup: Machado, Tatis, uh, Hosmer, Fam. T- bringing in Tommy Fam was nice. Jerickson Profar is going to be a nice acquisition for them too, who can kind of move all over the place. And then they've got you know Dozier as a fill-in stopgap if they need. In their bullpen, Kirby Yates and Pomerantz. This team is there to me. They're an above five hundred team, and a couple things go their way. They're a wild card team. I agree. Yeah, I think this. I think uh, you know it's. I wonder why they soured on their outfield because they just blew that thing up. Yeah, you know? Margot and, and yeah, they had Mar- it. Margot and Fran Mil Reyes and and Will Myers is still on the team, I believe, but. Uh, I thought that was like a, like a really uh, outfield compelling outfield. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just blew that thing up. So I wonder what happened there. But, you know, obviously when you're looking at the replacements, Tommy Pham, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a solid, he's a solid big leaguer. They got Trent Grisham. He was the top prospect from Milwaukee. Surprised that Milwaukee was uh, willing to part with him, especially because their lineup is uh, substandard. But I think that that's going to be the key right there is a guy like Trent Grisham who comes in, from Milwaukee, <clears throat> left-handed, desperately needed left-handed presence in that lineup. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But when you're talking about a guy like that, along with Profar that they got from the A's, and then a huge prospect in Francisco Mejia, who they got from Cleveland, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a high ceiling, I think, for these guys. And that, to me, is what's exciting about the San Diego Padres. The yeah, the Padres are projected uh, or think in the uh, the power rankings. They are let's see what are they in the ESPN power rankings number twenty uh, twelve plus twelve hundred to win the NL West plus eighteen hundred to win the NL plus sixty six hundred to win the World Series. Um, they have uh, a nice rookie named Gore to keep an eye on too. They're also very high on McKenzie uh, Gore. Yep, Gore and uh, and then we'll. We'll talk uh, Giants and, and Dodgers. I guess we didn't. We skipped over the Dodgers, which is pretty funny. But let's talk Giants first, and then we'll close things out with the Dodgers. I just this Giants team is old, Mike. They didn't make a lot of moves again, and it's like I just look at their lineup and and the people, the, the players that they need to have really good years. I mean, Pablo Sandoval should be healthy now. Uh, Tony Watson likely their their closer, but they're the number twenty four ESPN Power Rank team, and I. I mean, I, I don't think there's anybody I, – I, I have them last in the division. Yeah, that's, that's – I like everybody in here. I, have, I like everybody in here way better way better than them. I just – I don't have a reason. Remember they got hot for a while last year, and everybody was scratching their head like, what the hell is going on? Like, how is this team continuing to win games? And then they, they kind of hit their wall and, and started to regress back again. But um, Yeah, I, look, I'm not big on, on their manager. Um, they have a, their, their lineup is definitely long in the tooth. Uh, I think uh, Mike Yastrzemski had a nice rookie season. 
Uh, but he's not a, he wasn't a big prospect, and I'm not sure that he can maintain kind of what he started last year. And, uh, you know, outside of kind of the, the guys that they've hung on to from the World Series years, you know, the, uh, the, the vets that they got, you know, I'm not that high on Evan Longoria anymore, not that high on Alex Dickerson or uh, Billy Hamilton, you know, uh, or even Hunter Pence, who somehow was able to find a resurgence in Texas. But, I mean, that's who they got this offseason is, is Hunter Pence. I mean, so, and, and Billy Hamilton. That was their offseason, by the way. Billy Hamilton and Hunter Pence. I mean, that, that says it all, right? Yeah. It's funny to, to probably talk about the team that is projected to win the most games in baseball and maybe spend the least amount of time on, on them. But it, it, the, the Dodgers are a team that I'll probably spend a, a whole lot of time talking about all throughout the season because obviously they're the team I root for. And they're just, you know, they're just really good. I mean, there's not a whole lot more to be said about them. They're, they're the best team in baseball, Gina. They are on paper. They are. They're, they don't really have any very many weaknesses. On they're, paper and in reality. I mean, in it's, reality, it's, they're it's the best they're, team. The Dodgers' um, whole team in 2019 had a, a higher OPS than Manny Machado, Marcelo Zuna, or Joey Votto. That's insane. Their whole team. Um, and and do, do you know that in the starting nine, uh, well, eight, I guess, you know, the, and their their lineup, let's just say, uh, Justin Turner is the only one that's north of 30 in their starting lineup. Yeah. You know, Mookie built- Betts, for, uh, for as many good years as he's had, he's only 27. It's unbelievable. And, you know, you forget about guys like Seager because he's kind of had a, a bad couple years and, and bad just by his standards. And you have Bellinger, obviously, he's so good. Muncy's just become this steady, steady. And and, and and then you have, you know, the the Kikis of the world, the Chris Taylors who are just so versatile. You can plug and play wherever. Someone like Matt Beattie who keeps coming up. Now the Dodgers have a, a rookie this year who's, you know, on the short list for rookie of the year, Gavin Lux, who... I just don't know. I mean, like, there's just there's so many other good players. I wonder if he's going to be able to play every day enough. Uh, because if he struggles a little bit, then maybe you know he's not in the lineup all the time. This is a good team. They could probably field two teams and probably field two actual starting pitching rotations. They're going to be really fun. Um, I just I just hope they play this year because they're a team that could get really screwed if this for some reason there's no baseball season because they have a couple of guys that are going to be free agents at the end of the year and they would have basically traded to get Mookie for nothing. So um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with free agency because then do things change if you don't play? Does it go to another year? Is it your age? A lot of questions, but I, I don't really have a question about this Dodgers team being a good baseball team. I mean, they should be one of the best teams in baseball again, and and then it'll come. It'll most likely just come down to to October for them again, Mike. When when you know our the fans of the Dodgers will start to get on pins and needles and get a little nervous. Although as a Dodger fan now, I feel a little bit better knowing that they did get cheated. I, I feel like a little bit less like I, I'm not as hard on them knowing that. You know what? They got to a World Series, which what we wanted, and they were they were playing as the team that cheated. So it's kind of hard. But you know what though? Do you know that kind of puts the pressure on them? It does. In a no, no, you're right. Way though, it does right now because now it's like, okay, what's your excuse now? You know, you're and right. When you have that expectation, and you're, and I think that's why you you heard maybe a couple of guys out of the locker room kind of make some comments, and then they kind of backed off, and and it was quiet after that. And I think it's probably for that reason, because they just now they play just to show go it. do it. Yeah. yeah, let's just go do it now. You know what? It Like you said, maybe they use it as a chip on their shoulder, a galvanizing force, um, whatever it whatever it may be. But this there's, there's definitely pressure on this team now, because you have bets now. You are set up. This is the bet no matter what. Two years ago, they won a ton of games. They won a ton of games last year. Or three years ago, they won a ton of games. One last... This is the best team they've had in the last maybe ever. 
ever. I, I think this is definitely top to all. bottom. Yeah, I mean, maybe outside of the years of like Duke Snyder, sure, and, sure. And, you know, and back the then, Brooklyn this, years. Or... Yeah, this is this is this is the best Dodger team that they fielded. You know, in in my lifetime, and one of the things that is gonna really be evident about them, especially with uh, you know Seager coming back and and Lux in the in the middle part of that infield is that they're going to be a very fun team to watch defensively. And in terms of their sticks, I love how many lefties they've got and in a league that's predominantly got right-handed pitchers in a division that's predominantly got right-handed pitchers. So, you know, you're talking about Muncie, Bellinger, uh, Jock Peterson, Seager, Lux, all swing it from the left side. So, you know, and, ter- and, and they've got some good right-handed hitters off the bench, so I mean, there's there's no matchup that you could defeat the Dodgers in because either way they're going to have an answer. Going to be a fun season for the uh, the Dodgers. Uh, looks like, and hopefully we'll get to see Mookie Betts mash. So, uh, Mike, before we get to the two hour mark, we'll close things out here. <laughs> we'll close things out here. But hey, you know what? When we're going through the baseball, we're going through all the teams. We want to make sure we give every uh, every team a, a little uh, a little shot and, and and talk a little bit about them. So I know you have some like uh, season awards and some things like that. You uh, you have some predictions for right? Yeah, and. The rookie of the year type stuff is going to be almost impossible without knowing a start date. Sure, because some of these guys were may not come up. Kind of, yeah, yeah, you you know baseball's got that funny rule where you know the teams kind of do some gaming and and they they call the guys up. You know, in uh, what like after the first, I don't even remember how many games now, but it, it it all has to do with service time. So you know, it got a lot of attention when Boris was complaining about it with like Chris Bryant a few years ago. But normally, you know, you'd basically be seeing a lot of these rookies that are ready to start in the majors right now. Uh, you know, the the Padres did it with Tatis last year. Yep. Right. They brought him up right yep. away, and they're like, you know, we're not going to jerk with it. We're gonna we're gonna. Um, and, and that was definitely to the benefit of the player. They didn't have to do that at all. But po- point is, so I don't know how that's going to all work out this year. You know, I don't know. If the if they start in the bigs, will they have a season in the minor? If you don't have a season in the minors, now why is that even a question mark? Because you have a huge TV deal making gate receipts not that critical. Yes, they're huge, but it's not that critical. But in the minors, if you don't have uh, concessions and 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 gate receipts, you can't play a season. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this all plays out. Can you have a season without call-ups? I don't, that's, I mean, all of this stuff, trade deadline, like what are they do? When is it pushed back? Is it forward? Um, I, I just, there, there's see, so but trade deadline. You could come up, you can, you, you know, could come up with an arbitrary you could date. Just say, we're going to, we're going to, at the, at the 68% mark of the season, sure, where whenever it sure. starts, we're going to have it. Right. These but something like this, if you don't have call-ups, are what are you going to do? Because everything is based on a set number, right? And it's all based on the, the the past. It's all based on something that we have a sample, like a sample to use. It's going to be very, very strange. It what, is. I think they're almost going to have to have, um, like, expand the rosters by, like, if you're not going to have a minor league system where guys can can play and stay hot, they're almost going to have to expand the roster with a, like, practice squad. Sure. Right? So you have maybe, right. like, 
maybe like 15 more guys that are you're playing not like have to worry about games somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to have to worry about like um, travel expenses and more mm-hmm. hotel rooms and more flights and all that kind of stuff because most likely they're going to be playing in a neutral site and yep. uh, there's going to be very little movement. You know, it's pretty much going to be kind of like what you described the NBA, you know, to the hotel and back, that type of, thing. you know, hotel, stadium, back, hotel, stadium, back. So I, that's kind of what I'm expecting. So uh, with that said, you know, my rookie of the year picks in the National League, you know, uh, are Christian Pache, Drew Waiters, and K. Brian Hayes. Uh, that's in the National League. In the American League, I've got Luis Robert, who we spent some time talking about, Joe Adele, and Jesus Lazardo. Those are my three in the American League. And the American so, League are more sexy, like, well-known names, too. Like, yes. all, all three of them we've seen more of and we know a little bit more of um, than, than the guys in the National League a little bit. Exactly right. In terms of MVP, uh, uh, to me, I, I, I don't know which Dodger, but I'm going to say a Dodger, right? And, and maybe multiple Dodgers, maybe Betts and Bellinger. But we're going to definitely see a Dodger in the top three. I'm going to say it's probably going to be uh, Pete Alonzo, Bellinger, and Betts. And I can't pick who it's going to be. But I think those are going to be group. the three guys that are going to be. You know, I, I, I love, obviously, Kristen Yelich, but... I don't think he's going to be able to drive in enough runs in in Milwaukee. I know the RBI is in a stat that is um, given a lot of weight nowadays, but still, p- production involves other. And you got to win too. Yeah, maybe they're not that good. That's another thing too. We don't know. Right. We don't know. Um, so and, and if the Mets and, and Alonzo carries them and they're a little bit better and they kind of have the narrative like if they're good and they're in the mix they can say oh Alonzo's carrying them even with Syndergaard out you know they, 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 a lot of these things are narrative driven too you know so that that could definitely be it he's the rookie of the year coming back with another year bets obviously coming over to the Dodgers you know um, was he involved in cheating stuff with the Red Sox you know who know you know there, there's great narratives uh, for for the ones that you mentioned yeah so that that's 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 uh. That's kind of how I'm, I'm looking at it. Um, let's see here. The American League MVP is, is really tough because you have, I, I think the NL has, is more top heavy. That's not to say the AL doesn't have superstars, but I, I think the best players at the top are are in, in the National League. Because I, I didn't even mention like, like Acuna, I didn't mention like Albie, Soto, yeah. you know, guys that I think are going to be right there as well. You know, I'd love to be able to say I got 10 MVP candidates uh, and it would be obvious who they are. But, you know, when when uh, we're giving these kind of making these kind of predictions, you kind of want to limit it to, to your the top. Three. Yeah, piece, yeah, just you know. three. Sure. Um, but in the American League, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say that Judge is is going to put it all together and put together an MVP season this year. I think this is going to be his year. I think he's one of the type, one of those type of guys that, especially in a neutral field, um, is just simply going to have more power than anybody else. So, Judge and the Yanks there for uh, for possible MVP. Did you do anything with the pitchers? Yeah, it's going to be a very tight contest in the National League between Castillo from the Reds and Bueller from the Dodgers. I think it's going to come down to those two guys. And in the American League, oh boy, I'll tell you that that's that's a crapshoot because we know how much the Cy Young Award kind of ties together with wins, and uh, but yet the teams that I that I you know look at and 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 see winning a lot of games, 
don't necessarily have the best pitching staffs. So, you know, I tried to come up with something uh, and, and just kind of wasn't able to in the American League. What are your thoughts? I think maybe um, maybe one of the A's guys like Manea, I think I would I would give it a look to. I think he has the opportunity to come back and just have a monster, monster year. Um, maybe uh, if Clevenger's healthy for the Indians, someone like that. But I'm kind of with you. Like, you know, you look at the, the best teams, and I don't know if they're going to be carried by top, like, Number one stud pitcher. Yeah, because so. like Odorizzo could have like you know seventeen. Maybe wins. Bar- like Barrios was one who I was high on last year for the Twins. He could be another one who racks up a lot of wins for them. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I would maybe go Manea or or or, or Montes, one of the young. Uh, A's I think that's pitchers. great. I think those are great picks because I, I think it's going to be one of those guys that maybe doesn't have you know a, a big time national marquee name. Yep. Uh, that that's going to win it in the American League. So, man, Mike, this was a blast. Thank you. I mean, we we would never get the opportunity um, on uh, on the Mike Abadir show, which we no. do every week, when, when it's only an hour and then it's about fifty minutes when we have a couple breaks. We just we have some guests that come in. We generally talk our two or three different sports. We just would have this would have taken us uh, like four shows, you know, like to be able to get all this information and go through everyone. And I know you put a whole lot of, of work into this. You you have a, a real hardcore National League. Uh, Fantasy team and then you went through all the American League And did a lot of research over the last couple of days So I really appreciate that I think the people are going to love Being able to kind of kick back and, uh, and listen to some Baseball talk for a couple hours No, I appreciate the invitation and, and you're right This is a different type of show uh, To me they've got very different feels This oh, yeah. is enjoyable, it's fun because We could just sit back and And kind of shoot debate the shit. Really shoot, the shit. shoot yeah. the shit And just kind of you know, Be able to, to kind of think Through you know the the holes, the strengths, the weaknesses, and and to kind of talk aloud as to how this is all going to play out. By the way, I forgot to mention because I have it in my notes here. Uh, Blake Trinan's like a nice move, by the way. Oh yeah, for the Dodgers, and yeah. it's a really nice move for them. And and you know they got like you know they brought in Alex Wood, obviously, and then even Jimmy Nelson, who's another one who's those are the kind of moves that the Dodgers and you even said like the A's and the Rays make. It's like you make two or three of them, one of them hits. Yep, and that's all you need. Yep. So I guess the last thing, uh, kind of before we, we wrap up here, I do think that the Dodgers are finally going to get over the hump. This this is going to be their year to win the World Series. I hope you're That's right. My winner. I, I do think that this feels like it too. It feels like if they were there against the Yankees or a or a, an A's or an Astros team or a, whoever you know uh, the Twins, I just feel like they'd have a little bit more um, depth. Top to bottom, bullpen and pitching staff. So hopefully we'll be celebrating a Dodger World Series. You got it's your... gonna be an all California World Series. A's Dodgers. That would be a blast of the '88 World oh, Series. Oh, that would be such a blast. It would be an absolute blast, man. We will. We'll, by the time that happens, we're gonna need it here in California. Sorry, New York. Give us uh, give us your plug on on Twitter, and then obviously uh, the Mike Abadir show is every week on Thursday from uh, seven to eight Eastern. You can hear us live, or you can get the uh, if you subscribe to the show on anywhere you get your podcast, you can hear us. We have an hour conversation each and every week. Where uh, I mean, you've you've you're able to use your uh, your connections in football and a lot of the guests that we bring on through the athletics. So we are able to get some really nice guests. Like uh, last week, it was fun where we were, one of our guests was literally on ESPN from about three forty-five to three fifty-five, and then right afterwards came on and, and talked with us on the Mike Abadir show. Yeah, like like I said, it's it's a very different type of show. Um, but I think the the funnest part about it is that you and I get to do it together. Yep. And we, uh, and yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't have a, a background in media. I'm not a journalist, uh, but I've got connections. I've got contacts. I'm in the industry. And uh, and the thing that I felt was going to be the most fun was to parlay that 
into an opportunity to have these really fun conversations. But it's kind of a quick hit, you know, a shorter, you know, three segments, get in, get out. When we're done, we're like, man, I can't more believe like it's live over radio. Yeah, it's just more live radio that you hear on uh, when you, when you, you know, you're listening to the talk sports on the car and we just, we have a, an hour. So a lot of times we get in, get out. And, and some shows, it's even a lot more about our guests. You know, sometimes we'll bring in a couple different guests and we're covering whatever um, is relevant from, you know, all, all different sports. That's just what we've been, we've had a lot of fun doing it. And I really appreciate that, uh, that you asked me to do this with you. It's, it's already been a couple of years now. Crazy to, crazy yeah, to think time about. Time flies, man. It, it really does. And I, I, I love doing it with you each and every week. Where, where do we find you on social media if we want to give you a follow? So I'm on Twitter, Mike Abadir, A B A D I R, no spaces, no underscores, no periods. Uh, and uh, I'm not, I just actually set up an Instagram account like a week ago, uh, but I, I have not done a single post. I don't think I have a picture up or nothing. So Twitter is uh, is where I can be found. And uh, very good at going back and forth, conversing with people. You always do a great job of interacting with all the folks out there and, uh, and sharing your opinion. So, Mike, this was a blast. We'll definitely get you back on, and hopefully we get these sports started back up and we have uh, more to talk about. We can do some extended Mike Alvador shows because I feel like some of these times when we do a show, it's like the show goes so by, by so quickly, and there were still a few things that you and I wanted to talk about. So anytime we still have a little overflow, we can come back here and, uh, and record a little extra on That's What G Said. You could book it. Sounds good. Okay, buddy. Mike Abadir. Thanks, Gino. Thanks, Mike. Uh, let's take a quick break here on That's What G Said, and we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Big thanks to Mike. That was a lot of fun talking some uh, some baseball with Mike and getting an opportunity to go through you know, every single team. So just a quick recap uh, for uh, for some of my overall baseball thoughts. Uh, I do think the Yankees are going to be tough. Still in the uh, in the in the American League East, um, and uh, I think the Rays would be the other team there. In the central, the team that I'm high on is the White Sox. I think Minnesota is going to w- probably win that division. I wouldn't be against taking a flyer on the White Sox as a, as a possible playoff team. I think they're just going to be a much improved team. My concern is they're just going to be running into a, a Minnesota team that just looked really, really tough this year. And then I'm going to take a swing with the uh, the Oakland Athletics in the West, and I'm going to hope that the Astros struggle this year and have to come back to life a little bit. In the National League, the East – I do think it's going to be between the Braves and the Nationals there. Um, the the injury to Syndergaard really hurt the Mets, who I thought may have had a, an opportunity there. In the Central, I'll go with the Reds, and then I, you know I think behind the Reds probably the Cardinals, and then in the West I do think it's the Dodgers. So nothing nothing too crazy, nothing too outside the box, but a couple sneak teams that uh, have an opportunity to maybe upset in the division or or uh, make a one uh, run at a wild card. Let's talk some Tampa. Horse racing fans, Wednesday, Tampa is going to get the the main focus, so let's get right to it. And let's get into race number one. You can play pick five right off the bat at Tampa. And in the opener, I like the two a little bit, Eartha. She had kind of a weird start last time out. She broke out, then she broke back in. She recovered to get up to second. She was pressing just off. She moved to the lead, but then she was immediately tackled by the big favorite, Candy for All. And Earth ran really well. Um, she just got nailed late for second. Now you're going to get a big cutback from seven furlongs to five and a half. She can sit a little bit. She has some speed. I think she's going to be in the mix throughout, and she's going to be really, really tough in here. The eight, her debut race at Monmouth in August on the turf, 
that was the best race that any horse in this race has run. Now it was on the grass, sprinting, and she's gonna come back until February. She has to need that last race. It's in the slop. It's at Gulfstream. It's against Better. Now she's cutting back to a sprint on the dirt. I think the eight horse has a big shot in here. Problem is, it's not, you know, connections that are a household name or connections that are hot or anything like that. So the seven and Irene, she's the one to beat on the slight cutback. And then the 11, if you're looking for another one, a first time starter, the dam of this one was a winner. Um, has produced a couple foals, uh, three foals, two winners. This first time starter just wouldn't have to be a monster to beat this group. So let's go two, eight, seven, eleven. We'll put the two horse on top. In race number two, I like the three American driven. Broke in a bit, settled six, was five off, and then stuck inside, wanted to go, but had no room, and then got shuffled and got stuck behind horses. Didn't really get a chance until it was too late. I think American Driven, lightly raced, with some upside. To me, this is the horse to play in here. If we can get anything like over 3 to 1, 3 to 1 ish or so. The 7, Hubba Bubba, should come running, and I think that's the one they all have to hold off in here. The two races at the level are both really good. With some trouble in both of them, and, and, and might have been best. And then the five old fort. Yeah, 0 for 15, but seems like a fit at this level. You know he's going to at least come running and pick up some pieces, and if he gets the right kind of trip, he can win this. 3, 7, 5 in here. Put the three horse on top. Let's go to race number 3. And I know this was, uh, you know, I'll have a couple approaches in here. I do have the 6 on top, 3 olives. He adds the blinkers. He just had a brutal start last time out. He hopped. He had did not a very good first 100 yards. And then he made a big, wide move. He tried hard all the way, and he finished second. And that was going a mile 40. Now he's going to cut back to 6.5 furlongs. I love that cut back from the mile to 6.5. Really wide trip, a couple starts back. I mean, he really fits well in here. So I'm, I'm going to have him on top. If we can get anything over 7-2, to two, probably worth a win wager. The three looks like the other one. Mozano. And then, you know, after that, I'm going, you start looking like the eight, dropping, adding the blinkers, make a case for this one. The one, Pawns in, who is the beaten favorite at this level, going seven furlongs from the rail. Probably, you know, hard to completely leave out of the exotics. The five, Bumpa. You can probably excuse the race on the grass, and at least he showed a little bit of early speed in there. The 10, Essor is another one who adds the blinks. Probably too early to give up on the 11 who's dropping in class. So then you can start making cases for many. I do have the 6 horse on top and, and kind of 3-6 on a, on a tier a little bit above. And then, you know, the others that I mentioned uh, after that. In race number 4, the 8 is where we'll start Scarlet Bow. You know, she's looking for four in a row. She can sit. She can pass horses. She has some of the better turf form in this field, and she's just in really nice form right now. Uh, The one, Sapphire Jubilee, you know, when you're just kind of looking at everyone's races on the grass, she's, you know, obviously got some of the the better uh, grass races also. The four, Mama White Sox, 
She's dropping. She's going to go second time on the grass. I'm kind of treating her like a, like a wild card who has a little bit of speed in here. So I'm going to use the four and some exotics. And the three elusive rider, who's just another really, really sharp one. Has to improve on the turf, but uh, elusive rider is, you know, this is this is the time to take a, to take a swing. Just a really sharp animal right now. So 8-1-4-3. Let's go to race number five. And... We will put the 11 on top in here, and, and that's Perp, who ran really well for the new barn in a runner-up effort last time out on March the 14th, moved in between horses, then had to alter course late, was a clear-cut second. I think the 5 is another one you want to include in some exotics, one fine ride who's going to cut back second time for the uh, uh, the Delgado barn. Second off the claim for them, the 6, never have I ever on the class drop alone. Is going to be uh, you know much better in here. The eight, I'm a coal man. I think you're going to get a, some speed from this one at least, and you could get a good little run for your money um, in you know against a field that I don't know how much speed is in here. The twelve, you want to go a little bit deeper. Game day drama. It looks like the other speed, so you know it's probably going to be the uh, the eight. I'm a cool man, and uh, and the twelve game day drama battling it out early. Eleven five six eight twelve. I have the eleven and uh, the five kind of on the top tier. The eleven on top, and so you know some early pick five thoughts. The late picks it. The late. I'm not gonna. I'm not really that interested in. in the late races, I'll give you a couple horses to use, but I'm not. I'm not going to play. I don't think any kind of like rolling exotics in the lates. I'm going to focus more on the early pick five. Um, so a couple of different thoughts. Uh, I think you can maybe play take it like two seven eight with um, three five seven with three six with one three four eight with five six eight eleven twelve something like that. You can also play a, a smaller ticket and shorten up where you're doing something like two seven eight with three five seven with three six with one eight with five eleven. Another approach if you want to use the first time starter in the first uh, two seven eight eleven with three seven with one three five six eight ten with one eight with five eleven. But I always I don't really love giving the tickets out as much as I do kind of just going race by race, kind of telling you how I feel about horses, what kind of price I hope they are, and kind of how I rank them in each race. That way you know. Some people want to play a ticket for, you know, 6 bucks. Other people want to play it for 500 bucks. So I, that way you can kind of build them a little more based on, on whatever your budget is. Or, you know, you can add just add some tickets, if add some horses on, on from, from some of the horses that we like. I'm not assuming that, you know, a lot of people are just kind of blindly following. It's, I, I'm always kind of the, the same way, right? When I listen and watch a lot of other people, I like um, talking racing, talking whatever. I like to kind of add what some of the things that they say are things that I, I think are, are good, good angles to use or good horses to include. Not as much as if I like a horse or if you like a horse and I don't seem to like them, don't really let me talk you off of them. Try to just use as this is more of like an addition than like subtraction from the, the things that you like. Maybe I can help steer you onto a horse that you weren't thinking about, but if I don't like a horse and you've got a case for them, you know, be- believe as we move on to... Uh, to race six, I like the two in here, All American Jewel. I think, you know, looking at the the 
February race and then the race back at Gulfstream Park West at the end of, of 2019, this horse doesn't have to show much more than that to, to be really, really competitive with this group. There aren't a ton of horses with a, a ton of grass success in here, obviously. Uh, so let's use the two. All-American Jewel will make a win wager if we can get like 6-1 to one on that one. In race number 7, we'll use the uh, the 8 drama chorus on the cutback. He he didn't run that well last time out, but you know his debut race wins this, and he's he's not really facing a group of monsters in here. The one Sky Mischief, um, I think obvious contender from the inside. You can just toss the the race in the slop. The three Carmichael who debuted at Keeneland in the slop and hooked a future graded stakes winner Wells Bayou. The 11, if you're going to go a little deeper, Positive Impact, who debuted at Belmont Park. Now in the Hardy Barn, as uh, McLaughlin has uh, disbanded his stable. 8-1-3-11 in race number 7. Um, and then the 8th race, it's like I just didn't really love the the late sequence. I thought the 6, our country, was going to be really tough in here. Um, this is a horse who wasn't beating a whole lot in the Breeders' Cup. And he's a good animal. He Maybe he needs this race, but I just don't... You know, nobody in here. Uh, at like after him, I could you know make cases to use horses underneath, or if he wasn't in here, if you're trying to play against him, you know the two, the four, the seven, the ten, all would be would be logical. But I just thought the six was going to be really tough in here. So with Tampa, a couple horses to use in the, some of those early races in particular. The first race, the two Eartha. The second race, the three American Driven. The third race, the six three Olives, and the fifth race, the number eleven Perp. Good luck at Tampa on Wednesday. Let's uh, take a quick break, hear from one of our sponsors. We'll come back and we'll go through Thursday. We'll go through Gulfstream Park, Oaklawn, and then Golden Gate. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are gonna be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. 
and you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Let's get to Thursday, April the 2nd. Get your Gulfstream Park Pass performances out. We'll spend a little more time on Gulfstream than the other uh, couple. This thing about Gulfstream now, this was generally when the meet would change and it wasn't the championship meet anymore. But now there's no Keeneland. There's nothing in New York. There's really, what, such few racetracks open all over the place that Gulfstream Park is getting some really, really good races. And this is a strong strong card let's go to race number one um you know i'm not this is a race that i really don't love the, i think the most all throughout the card i thought the two was probably going to be really tough in here but i'm not going to spend a, t- a ton of time because i just don't love it so i'm not going to give out necessarily a, a pick five you know if you want to play some pick fours or something starting in race number two great um the one i think you got to begin with in race number two Gulfstream, truly ambitious who is really quick already, and then she's going to get forced from the rail. So I think they just have to send her, and she might be able to steal this race. I think she is the quickest already, and, and just asking her a little more is only going to help. The 10 should, should sit a nice trip in here, market stand, and then the 6 looks like the one to beat. So 1, 10, 6 in race number 2. In the third race, the 4 take charge again really looks like the one to catch. She's going to drop a notch, and it just does not look like there's a ton of speed in uh, you know a race where I like to use kind of some of the more lightly raced horses that have a little more upside. She is one of those in here. The six Derby Day zip on the big drop, you know, obviously going to be pretty tough. And then the one Talk to Talk, who has a little speed. If she's close up on the cutback, she's going to be tough to get by late. But the hope is that the four take charge again can just steal this race. Four, six, one in race number three. Let's go to race number four. Maiden special weights in here, and I like the 11 slip sliding away. Uh, the connections are a little cold in here, and I'm, I'm obviously not a big fan of the draw, but he got hooked. She got hooked wide last time out. She tried to tuck into the two path. She was you know, off. She was chasing alone speed. She really could have been second. She ran into some traffic late in the stretch when she was moving best. It you know, it really wasn't the best ride. I'm thinking slip sliding away, just a little bit of improvement would make her really, really tough in here. If we can catch like 6-1 to one or over, she's worthy of a win wager. The 8 versatility is really the key for her. Look at look at her, th- her last three starts, all three of her turf races. It's like she's shown a different dimension. She came from way out of it back in December, and then she showed speed on in January, and then in February, more of a sit, move, Kind of a, a trip. She's really tough to leave out of it, you know, 
out of your exotics. And then the three and the four, they both make a ton of sense in here too, right? So I'll have the 11, 8, 3, 4 in race number four. The fifth race, at first glance, I thought it was, you know, really wide open. And then I started to dive into it a little, you know, uh, a, a little more. And I thought the seven, Gilda F., she had a winning type race last time out. She kept trying hard all the way. She was a runner-up. She had a good start. And then she was, you know, outrun by a few lengths. She kind of sat second off the leader. Uh, she moved the lead at the top of the lane. She was just a, you know, second best that day behind Baby Ice, who we've seen in uh, a lot of the running lines. And that that's a sharp Baby Ice. Let's put the 7 Gilda F on top. We'll use her along with the 6 Worth Avenue. Kind of got bumped around at the start. Who got stuck in a bad spot on the inside. Who hadn't had a weight and angled around. Was a little bit flat late. Now you're going to get a slight cut back in here. As is the case with Gilda F. So let's have the 7 on top of the 6. Those are the 2 on the top tier in here. Then after that we'll go with the 3. Fancy Fox. You're going to see a lot of horses changing hands in this race. Where you know they're going into new barns with a ton of horses. The 2. Memorize is going to go off the claim. The 3. Fancy Fox changing barns, the four Sue's changing barns, the six Worth Avenue changing barns, and I thought the you know the three and the four both make a lot of sense in here. The two you know another one taking the blinkers off has some speed. A lot of these horses should enjoy the cutback, and it might change the dynamic of this race a, a, a little bit. The nine is another one who I wouldn't talk you off, but I do have the seven and the six on top, kind of a tier above the then the the three, four, two, and nine below them. In race number six, the one Richie's great girl, her February 17th race when she was going long on the grass, she went down to her nose at the start, and she was just a a handful. She kind of was tucked inside at the rail. She wanted to go. Um, She got beat to a spot. You know, she had a lot of trouble, and she didn't get beat a whole heck of a lot. Just beat a couple lengths. Now, she should be able to save ground from the inside. She has some speed, but she'll probably be tucked in nicely just behind. You can make a case for many in here. This is a really, really fun race. What's wrong with the 7? Fancified, who won first time on the turf, and should get a great trip in here, right? It looks like there's a good amount of speed. I'm expecting Hartling to be flashing some speed. Dienda has some speed. Queen Field shouldn't be far out of it. La Russia shouldn't be far out of it. Um, so it's probably going to be a you know, pretty quick early, and I wouldn't be shocked to see either of the two inside horses flash a little more speed. Fancified should get a trip. The two glorious gal got hooked a little bit wide in the small field, made a three-wide bid, but kind of got crossed over on late and couldn't outfinish uh, Dienda. Then, you know, the, the six Dienda... Who has some speed in here, and if they don't go that quick, and she's able to get, you know, secure a lead and get out front, she could be tough in here. The four Hartling, same kind of thing. She has the ability to sit really close. She's looking for her fifth win in a row. Just a really, really sharp filly at the moment. The three days of spring should get a really nice trip from off the pace. Same thing with the ten, who could sit a trip. So after, I kind of like the one. And the seven, I feel like they're going to be good prices and be able to get uh, work out a nice journey in here. But this is a, this is why this card was really good. Like you can, I'm one seven two six four three ten. Going to be using combinations of you know some tickets where I'm going to probably just punch the all button in the first race and uh, and can key in on horses that I like a little later in the sequence.
race number seven. Let's go with the six horse, uh, Soom, who showed a really good sprint speed. She was three wide of four pressing. She put away the other three that were battling with her, but then just couldn't hold off the horses coming from off the pace. And now she's going to stretch out. I think she's going to be really, really tough in here. We just assume that she's going to be showing speed, but she doesn't have to show speed. But she should, she's the quickest, naturally. She'll you know have to deal maybe with the one token from the inside who might go and uh, a horse like the two, never forget, has a little bit of speed. You'd imagine um, you wouldn't be shocked to see the seven or eight close, but I just feel like the six has the opportunity to outrun this group in here. The seven, she had a bad stumble. She broke out. She settled third. She was three off. She loomed up, but she couldn't get to the pace setter, Miss T2. And Miss T2 finished behind Assume on February 23rd. So when you play that common rival game, Assume actually defeated the horse who ends up coming back and, de- and defeats the, the seven. The two never forget. She went down at the start um, and then was right up on the heels of the leader, was in a bad spot, tried to angle around but couldn't, um, had to go back to the rail but was in a little bit too tight. She would not be a shock stretching out to a mile and 16th. And the eight, Beauty Buzz, I think you can you can make a case for her putting a couple starts together and stretching out. I think she's going to show some improvement today. Let's go six, seven, two, eight in here. Let's put the six horse on top. Moving on to race number eight. I like the four in here, Dixie in Candyland. She'll probably get bet because she just had a trouble trip last time. She was traveling really well. She got backed up into, things got tight. She went back up inside again. She came running, but it was too late. She lost a few lengths. She lost some momentum during that race. It was her first start since August, and now she's going to step forward. You know, she's almost had a month in between starts. The three misbehave. Another one who I'm expecting she had some trouble last time out, and I think she'll she'll improve. It was her first start of 2020. The one smack, she's tough to leave out. She she has the opportunity to sit a really nice trip. This is probably a the the distance that she wanted all along. You know the the five five and a half furlong type trip, and then the eight Bentley's Dream. If you want to go a little bit slow, uh, a little bit deeper, she just had a slow start, and uh, another one who got their their first race in a while out of the way and has every right to improve. Four, three, one, eight in race eight at Gulfstream Park. And then in race number nine. I thought the uh, the five and the six were horses I kind of have on a top a, a tier above. Pricing exercise had a slow start, made a big wide early move, was four deep, up to within a length before tiring, but was just hooked really, really wide all the way around after getting a, a ton of money in the debut. Rosario jumps aboard. The 6th Battalion was inside and was shuffled, was waiting with some run, got bumped, and never really got a shot to run. Two back showed uh, some pretty good speed. I think Battalion... Uh, I would put on top of the five just because the battalion might be a better price, and the six and five would be the like my top tier of horses. Below them, we'll use the one Phantom Dance, the seven Bear Alley, and the ten Cardiac Kid. Maybe, I mean, maybe you give Bear Alley a, a slight advantage just because of the recency, but stepping on the grass for the first time, um, I thought the one and ten both have a little upside in here. So six five, um, six five one ten seven. In race number nine at Gulfstream. So horses throughout the card. 
uh, that we like, just a repeat of the uh, the the selections one more time. In the first race, you know, I mentioned the two. Uh, if you do want to play any kind of exotics, the pick fives do start there, and maybe that would be a race where I would single, and then you can go deep. You know, you can do something like two with one six ten, with one four six, with three four eight eleven, with two three four six seven nine. You can go a little deeper. You know, two three five eight nine ten. The first with one ten, with one four six, with eight eleven, with six seven, and then in the sixth race, maybe uh, pick fours. Where we single around Dixie in Candyland on one ticket. We do something like, uh, you know, all in that opener uh, with two, six, seven, eight, with four. And then depending on how deep you want to go in the last, it would be five, six for me. You know, um, if you want to play a ticket that's a little different, you could do something like one, seven um, with, you know, all with one, three, four, eight, with five, six, or, uh, you know, Different combinations there, and then if you want to go a little deeper in that last race, it would be one, five, six, seven, ten. But I think you can build, um, you can build a lot of tickets that which I will around the four and the eighth with the five, six, and the ninth, and then we can spread out a little bit in races six and seven. Um, the seven is where I like assume a little bit, so maybe you can even have a ticket or two where you key in on that one. The sixth race to me was the race that I felt like was one of the harder races, so I'm not gonna try to get too cute in there. I'll probably just have a at least an, a race or two where I'm just buying that one. So, you know, the first, she's just quality. The second, or the one, truly ambitious. The third, the four, take charge again. The fourth, the 11, slip sliding away. You got to keep an eye on, like, you know, price is key with all these horses. If these horses get bet too hard, you, you just don't play them to win. Um, and look for the value elsewhere. Feel the F the five, uh, in the fifth race, the number seven. Sixth race, the one, Richie's great girl. Uh, the seventh race, the six, assume. The eighth race, the four, Dixie and Candyland. And the ninth, uh, the five six. That's at Gulfstream Park on Thursday. Let's get over to Oaklawn Park for Thursday. Get your past performances out. Not as much at Oaklawn. In fact, uh, nothing that I really even love until race number four. So let's move to race number four. You're looking at the uh, the Oaklawn races for Thursday. April the second. I mean, in the third race, I decided I thought the three was going to be very logical. So I try not to give you know out stuff that's just really obvious. The, if I don't, if I just don't have anything in that race, then what seems obvious, then we just kind of move on. The fourth race, the eleven, Caliste Rose. She can sit a little bit closer. She's going to be making her second start now for Amos with Talamo aboard. She last out. She. Had a fine start from the outside, and she settled towards the rear. She moved up. She angled five wide in in between. She was moving well late. Uh, she just missed second. I thought it was a pretty good effort. She can sit closer. That was in the slop. So you know, a lot of times it's just harder to to really make up a ton of ground, and the horses from you know sitting closer get a little more separation. Let's use the eleven, and we'll play her to win. If we can get anything around, uh, you know, three to one in race number four. In race number five, the two automate. Who's going to go first? Start off the claim for a very nice, capable barn. Garcia's having a, a very nice meeting. And the, the barn claims, Grant Forrester, claims and immediately goes to the dirt. They first time geld this one and they go to the dirt and they go long. Look at who he's faced. Mailman Money, who was fourth in the Risen Star. 
prior to that, you have Dennis's moment. You're in a nice stakes race against a couple horses who come back to win next out. Piece of Chief, Fenwick Station. His dirt form is actually sneaky good. And I think he gets the trip in here. Last out, he had a brutal start, and this was on the grass. He got squeezed back, he was bumped around, he was about six off, he was too deep, and then he got caught behind horses, he angles in between, in the stretch, and then around. I mean, back to the dirt now, I like the two in here. The five JVB is very logical and should get a nice setup. The eight, New Mexico. The real key with him, can he sit? You know, the, the, the seven has some speed, and it looks like the nine has some speed. Can the the eight sit off just a little bit? If he can, he could be very tough, and he could he could end up working himself out a really nice trip. I thought the six making his first start uh, in a while. This is a horse who's always kind of been highly regarded. And the four Crockett's Bluff. If you're looking for a bust out long shot, you're gonna go second off the bench and gonna go back long. Should get a great setup in here with some speed to chase. And then the one shackles for Joy, who might have to show a little more speed from the inside. But let's put the two horse on top. And it's Automate. And we will play Automate if we can get anything around, uh, you know, six to one. Race number six, just zero opinion. So we'll just just skip it. No, no Really just don't love anyone in there. But in, in race number seven, I do think the three facilitators interesting. You're going to come back into the Steve Asmussen, Steve Asmussen barn, and this is another race that looks like it should have a lot of uh, a lot of early speed in here. The facilitator last time out was six wide early. He was battling it out. Then he was three deep. He was just brutally wide. He gave up a ton of ground. He had no shot with that type of trip. If you cross that race out and just play him off of his form prior to that, I mean, he's a really consistent honest animal, he's going to give you a good run he doesn't have to be way out of it but he should be you know, able to sit mid-pack to the rear and get a nice setup in here, that's the three facilitator who will make a top selection we'll play a win wager on facilitator uh, if we can get anything around you know five, 5 to 1 or so in race number 8 I think the 5's got a shot in here at a big price okay She's coming out of a really strong race behind Bonnie South and She Dares the Devil, who both came back to win graded stakes races. That was going long. Legitimate excuse there. Just put a line through it. Two starts back in a race where she just doesn't break well and it's a, it's a muddy racetrack. So just because she didn't previously run well in the slop doesn't mean that when you break so bad, you're going to be able to recover from it. I think there are legitimate excuses for the last two. And then if you're just playing her off the form prior to that, wouldn't she be like a top contender in here? Especially if we're looking at this race going, okay, Misty Blue is going to have to deal with some other speed, so it might not be easy for Misty Blue because, you know, the 1's got some speed, the 2's got some speed, the 3's got some speed, the 4 has a little bit of speed, um, the 6 is really, really quick, the 9 is really, really quick, the 12 is quick. So this is not going to be easy. For Misty Blue, I'm looking for horses that can sit just off the pace a little bit. And I think that's the five. Black Cat Taps at a big price. The seven, Raggedy Annie. She comes out of the grade three Henny B. She tried to go a little longer last time out. She cuts back to a sprint. And she's very, very logical. She's going to come running. The ten, Misty Blue. 
monster effort last time out. Um, you know, she's looking for her third in a row, and maybe she's just a freak who can, uh, can just outrun all of these in here. The 11, Josie should get the kind of trip also we were talking about from off the pace. She has enough speed to put herself in a good spot. And then the 9, Jade Dioro, probably just a, a little more pace to the party. So 5, 7, 10, 11, 9 in race number 8. We'll try to hook some of them up in some of the exotics. And then in race number 9, I hope I hope I'm right, and I, if it's you know keep an eye on the weather. If it's like really wet and really sloppy, because I feel like a lot of these races look like they should be setting up for horses that can sit off the pace a little bit. And you've said it all could get the trip. He just got outrun last time out. It was his first start in a couple months. I, he just wasn't ready to really rock, and there wasn't a whole lot of moving from off the pace. You've said it all. Is this going to be sharper? This time, and he's gonna have the opportunity to run this to run this group down. The eight law ten is tough to exclude. He's really really sharp, and he's now heading into the Broberg barn. The three Pete's play call was hooked four wide. He actually ran really well last time out, and he's got some back class. And then the nine flat lucky. If you're looking to go, you know, a little deeper in some of your exotics, six eight three nine. So the horses to play for me at Oaklawn throughout the card. On uh, on Thursday, race number four, the eleven Caliste Rose. Race number five, the two Automate. Race number seven, the three Facilitator. Uh, race number eight, the five Black Cat Taps. And race number nine, the six. You've said it all. Final track for Thursday. It'll be Golden Gate. Just a couple plays uh, at Golden Gate. Um, first will be in race number three, and. We'll go to the number four, Jen Pyre Strikes Back. She just felt like she was in a little tough last time out. And uh, she was in tight at the start. She was back to last. She was five off, and then she had to move up to the inside. She was third. She got within a couple lengths, but I just don't know if she loved it down inside. This should be a much better spot for her. So we'll use the number four, and we'll play a win wager if we can get anything over, like five to two on her, and maybe we can key some exotics around her. One more play at Golden Gate, and it will be in race number eight, and it'll be the number six, Temple of Soul, who's going to add the blinkers, two sprints to a route, stretches out. She broke on top, and then she, or he broke on top, and then he took back. He was four off, he was three wide, he made a bid, he was in five wide at the top of the lane. I think he's getting a big jock upgrade today, and I would not be shocked to see him, you know, much, much closer stretching out today. He has a little more speed than it looks like on paper. Let's include Temple of Soul in all of our exotics. We'll make a win wager on Temple of Soul if we can get anything around like, you know, seven to two, uh, three to one even on the number six Temple of Soul. So just two plays at Golden Gate. Race number three, the number four, uh, Gen Pyre strikes back, and then in race number eight, the number six Temple of Soul. So you got some Wednesday Tampa. You've got some Thursday with Gulfstream with Oaklawn. And with Golden Gate, some options there because horse racing right now, horse racing in WWE and AEW, you know, wrestling, the only things still going still in town. Hope you enjoyed this episode. A lot of baseball, a lot of horse racing. On the next episode of That's What G Said, we will preview WrestleMania. We'll go back in time and recap an old WrestleMania. We'll talk some horse racing for the weekend, and we'll go around the world in, uh, in sports and see if there are any uh, news stories or anything uh, 
uh, any new free agency news in, in football, any new player movement, uh, any any news in, in any of the big major sports. Hope everyone stays safe out there. Thanks again for tuning in and making us part of your week. We're going to continue to pump out content for you, and uh, hopefully we're able to kind of just take your mind off of everything for a little while and uh, keep you entertained and keep you informed. Thanks for listening to That's What G Said. Here's the Joey Cleveland experience closing it out.